America for 300 years has been the land of promise for the rest of the world. The land of new frontiers, new opportunities. Yeah, we can't you to get up. Clicking sounds, sounds that reveal the presence of radioactive rain. The instrument, a Geiger counter, is converting radioactivity into sounds we can hear. Good evening. This is Tank Riot. This is episode 156, where we discuss the deep state and its implications. I am Sputnik. With me, as always, is Victor. Good day. And, of course, Tor. Hello there. But first, we have many issues to cover. I think we we have to start off by acknowledging the passing of Leonard Nimoy. Yes. Uh, I thought it was very cool when the uh, gentleman in the International Space Station did the Vulcan salute out the window and took a... Took a picture of it and posted it. You've heard the original story where he came up with that, right? Yeah, it was in uh, Temple. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. wasn't even supposed to be there, and he saw it. And, yeah. yeah, he said, hey. <laughs> so, I think I'll use that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and not many people can do it, I think, with, with the, your right hand. I can't I can't do it with my right I hand. I got it. A right hand? It's your left hand. Live long and prosper. <laughs> oh, wow. It, you're, it, you're it amphi- is harder with the right hand, you're that's amphibious. for sure. I can do it with my left hand. I can't do it with my right hand. Yeah. We're breaking I've, the medium. I've, yeah. yeah, we're we're bringing up the show the uh, shortcomings of the medium here. But uh, he had a you know a very interesting life. Good director, uh, mm-hmm. poet. Uh, he I pub- think he's best known. I mean, most people will know him as the singer of the Bilbo Baggins song. Yes, uh, if I had a hammer. <laughs> those were those were all awesome. Go placidly amid the noise and haste. And remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible, without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly. And listen to others, even the dull and ignorant. They too have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are vexations to the spirit. Compare yourself with others, you may become vain and bitter. For always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble. It is a real uh, in search of. Oh my God! Yeah. I, I saw every one of those at least like fifteen, twenty times. Wee wee yeah. wee! Yeah. Oh my God, those were awesome. I think I actually have a picture of me as a kid sitting in front of the TV watching in search of. Oh, but you can't yeah. really make out what's on the TV. But I'm, I know that that's what I was watching in that picture. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. I kind of forgive him for that because that's really like the birth of my skeptical side is when I started oh, yeah. to be mm-hmm. like, come on, Spock. I don't know if this is logical yeah. enough here. This is based on conjecture <laughs> right. and largely horseshit. I, I think you're bending the <laughs> logic part. <laughs> you're riding, riding on your logic laurels here. Yeah, right. You're just blowing this right out of the water. It's like yeah. season three of the original series. But he was kind of first with that crazy stuff. And, and the people that are still putting out documentaries and not providing any better evidence than what, <gasps> oh, what oh. he had it in search I of. Just his... But gentlemen, I must yeah. share this with you. Because, you know, it's like you, you, you flip around cable and pretty much all you're going to find are 
biblical shows about the Bible, biblical archaeology, biblical prophecy, biblical conspiracies, biblical stories, biblical Bigfoots, biblical, 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 <laughs> but or UFO, you know, ancient aliens, UFO mm-hmm. conspiracies, blah 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 blah. Yep. Well. There was actually a show, there's a new one called, I think, I want to say it's just called UFO Conspiracies. Anyways, I'm just flipping through. And there's this one, it takes place in northern Norway. So it's above the Arctic Circle, okay. like most of Norway is, actually, but at least <laughs> a half, if not more of it, is above the Arctic Circle. But this guy was uh, going to a military base, and they actually, you know, at first when they were showing what the guy saw, I thought, oh, they just did a CGI, you know, because because every UFO picture is always invariably just like a a blob or a blur, right. or, you know, not nothing yeah. that you could really identify. Usually a film artifact of some sort or other. Yeah, yeah. It, it's nothing, you know, nothing. Mm-hmm. But anyways, they, then they actually flashed on their actual video and I thought, no way. So, so, you know, of course, it's like I say, northern Norway. So it's like super cold and the sky is very, very clear. And there's this like weird rotating spiral, and they were showing it. It was like super clear. Yeah, I think I think I've seen that, and that's uh, yeah. There's questions about what that. I forgot what the solution was for that one, but yeah, there was some atmospheric event or something. Yeah, it was of some kind. Anyways, that when it ended, it was just like this black iris, you know, kind of came out from the middle, and then it just went away. Hmm. And they said, "Oh, well, this could have been like a thermal inversion layer or something." But then this. Uh, pastor who was like 70 miles away filmed the same thing so it could not have been at the altitude that a you know an inversion layer would take place mm-hmm. it'd have to be much much higher so then they thought it was like the northern lights and whatever and wasn't it a, a failed launch of something i don't you know i don't okay. even recall but i it, remember when this happened i remember uh watching the video and being it was very cool yeah, though, cause very I mean, interesting because yeah. he had a great video too mm-hmm. he was like you know in the church or something he just goes out on the balcony and he films the whole thing and it looked awesome and he, he caught exactly the same thing and so it was kind of neat it was yeah. just like one of the better ones and i i don't honestly even remember what the solution for it was That's either funny. but hey everyone this is victor just jumping in i'm doing some post editing I just wanted to explain what that was. It was uh, the 10th of December in 2009. It, the Russian Ministry of uh, Defense confirmed that a Bulava missile test had failed. And uh, they explained that the missile's first two stages worked as normal, but there was a technical malfunction on the third stage of the trajectory uh, causing that uh, uh, crash to happen. So it was actually a missile test and nothing extraterrestrial, but still cool. Anyways, getting back to Leonard Nimoy, he, he definitely... Um will always be, you know, best known as as Mr. Spock and mm-hmm. and and uh again William Shatner proved himself to be the horse's ass. Yeah, but he did know? show up, right? I think that's what I heard. No, no. I heard that he did. I I, I heard that, that he managed he to rearrange his schedule and show up. Okay. But I, I heard that he wasn't going to come, and I heard there was a bunch well, of tw- you know Twitter. Oh yeah, he was it. getting hit. Well, I mean, first mm-hmm. he blows off George, you know, right. guy's I know, wedding. I know. And now this, and it's like, God, you're such a dick. Yeah, it is. It is too bad. But you know, eighty-three years old, COPD is a horrible thing, and he has yep. said that he wished he never would have smoked, and he quit years and years ago. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just too bad. But he did live a very long life. I mean, we could all just hope for eighty-three. That's a good. That's a good run. And Absolutely. as I said immediately, I immediately twittered that he lived long and prospered because yeah. he really had a great. Oh, he uh, did great influence on yeah. my life. That's for sure. Actually, he quit smoking uh, during the um, the original series. 
Yeah. Uh, if wow. if you look wow. really closely at the you know classic episode of Muck Time, you know mm-hmm. where he has to go back for the pond far and everything, they didn't edit it out. But if you look really really closely, and you can just you know like stop it, there's like Spock. He thinks he's off camera, but they show the camera out there. And he's got a he's smoking a butt, leaning up against one of those big Vulcan. Uh, <laughs> monoliths or something it was either that or he had a sucker in his mouth because that's how he got over it he always had like a sucker in his mouth so they have like a if you see the blooper reels there's always him like running around with a sucker in his mouth wow (laughs) yeah i know they played some of his interviews and he was saying he was an olympic smoker yeah he said uh, he may have been joking but he said you know i could smoke in the shower yeah oh yeah (laughs) well and and he he did battle alcoholism too his last wife helped him kick that he he was married uh uh quite a few times too hmm. but uh his last wife i think he was with 26 years i want to say so so uh, mr nimoy certainly will be missed uh i i certainly hmm. hope they do something about him on big bang theory yeah they they did a little yeah. placard at one of the at their latest episode but you know it'd be nice you know it'd be nice if there was some homage to him in the next star trek whatever oh yeah i mean happen. i yeah. loved it when uh you know Penny gave Sheldon the napkin that he had signed and everything, yeah. and he about mm-hmm. wet himself. And then um, he came out, and um, he was he was the voice of the action figure that kept taunting Sheldon about. Yeah, uh, yeah. that yeah. that was very cool. I really so. liked seeing him in the Star Trek reboot and the way they managed to write that. And I know it was really crazy and obnoxious and goofy how that whole reboot happened, but yeah, I really enjoyed seeing Spock. I'm glad yeah. Spock at least could be there. Yeah. Shatner shattered himself years ago out of the franchise, you know. I, I would agree. So cool. And uh, I guess, well, we also should mention that we did have a shooting here in Madison. Well, Tropical Madison is now in quite the media frenzy lately with yeah, Scott Walker and with this now. I, I heard well, our, Scott our... Walker. I mean, every time he opens his yeah, mouth, right. he makes an ass out of himself. <laughs> I, I mean, my favorite recent one. I mean, so of course he signed the bill to write to work. For less, for less, no, right? You right less. to work, but don't right. don't count on. I mean, in in a certain sense, it's like uh, I, I've never believed. I mean, I've I've been a union member in many of the jobs that I've had over sure. the years, but I guess I never totally agreed with having. I mean, I always thought joining a union should be your choice, not well something you automatically it, do. But it, joining a union is a choice, so they're misinforming or lying right. to you when they say that you know saying well we passed right to work so you wouldn't have to join a union right well, it's already optional you don't have to join the union but no, of course you're right well, let's not, but, but, let's not but, beat but around the, the bush well the difference is uh before right to work you know when the employees voted to have a union and to collectively bargain for contracts the cost associated with collectively bargaining and the union is also required to legally represent the employees in the case of a grievance Mm -hmm. and they're uh, required for all employees not just the union members Mm -hmm. so when you don't have the right to work law the employees that are not a member of the union have to pay what's called an agency fee which covers just the costs associated with collectively bargaining right. and the other administrative things to cover the mm-hmm. legal representation. So now with right to work, the union is still required to legally represent you in a grievance 
it is still required to collectively bargain on your behalf, mm -hmm. but you are not required to pay the agency fee anymore. So in other words, you can freeload. So... So it's, it's once again trying to undercut the union so to organize it's, it's, Yeah, I was going to say. What it does is take away the union's financial incentive, or, or not <clears throat> financial incentive, but takes away their finances. Well, their, their so ability to be able to do what they're tasked to do. So, right. So let's yeah. just not pretend that right-to-work yeah. bills are anything more than a way to destroy unions and get them out of the Right. It's, it's, right. it's a union-busting exactly. ploy. Right. It's, it's just not really to further bust the unions. We're not, yeah, you, you have the right. right to work for whatever wages and we then choose to give The you. ultimate goal of that kind of union-busting, which is whatever. It is what it is. And I say let's just acknowledge it as what it is. It is union-busting. It's, it's yes. union-busting. It's a tactic yeah. to destroy them. And the ultimate goal of that is going to be Workers in the state get paid about 3% less than in other states. I mean, sure, right. it could be more or whatever, but there's a decrease in the pay that workers receive in general oh, because absolutely. they lose to the lower wages. That's the it, goal. The ultimate goal is to lower wages of workers and, and get rid of the union base that would allow – because the unions generally work with the Democratic Party. They right. fund the Democratic Party. So it's take money move. away from the Democratic Party. Well, well I know yeah. where, where I work, so, uh, they, no one, of, one of the things that they're, they're trying to – It's horrifying. To, no biggie. Yeah, that's <laughs> What, what you know they're they're trying to do is that uh, you know for years um, you know if you if you chose to work for the state um, you were a classified employee which gave you benefits and so forth so so in other words if you chose the public sector over the private sector you're not going to make as much money but you're going to have a much better benefit package in the end and you're going to have better coverage and so forth so a lot of people myself included oh yeah that's chose why public sector yeah. as opposed to private because in private mm -hmm. you you're paying for everything and everything's coming out of the one kitty and right but but then you in the public sector you, you got treated a little bit more like almost a european nation because you got actual vacation and right you, know, you got payouts for things like that oh yeah, yeah right that's but now they're they're saying that you know one once you leave a position, you know, even though you've been in it for a number of years and it was always a classified position, they'll make it academic after that, because with academic, you can do pretty much anything you right, want. Right. So, yeah, there's there's all kinds of handwriting on the wall with this type of thing. And, and Walker was trying to make it sound like, you know, he was behind it the whole time and everything. And I think someone finally had to whiteboard it for him and say, no, this is really actually union yeah. busting. And I'm trying not to. I'm, not, I'm trying not to dwell on, on it because there's a lot of marching in Madison. There's a lot of protesting in well, Madison. There's lots of shit going on. But, you know, he's also pissing off the hunters in the state with his right. privatization of the DNR and the state park system. Well, that is – I can't wait to go camping at Taco Bell TM Park. <laughs> I know, yeah. right? I'm so excited. I, that horrifying me. crunch. I mean, for a, a lot of our listeners probably don't realize Coke but, Industries Lake Park. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to Coke Lake. That's right. C O K E. Well, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners outside of Wisconsin or or certainly overseas would probably not realize it, but Wisconsin is is really like this oasis in the middle of a whole lot of plains states. You know, high a whole lot of flat, a whole lot of corn, a whole lot of wheat. Whole lot of wind. Mm -hmm. Hey, Iowa's got Dubuque. They have hills there. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you got me on yeah. that one, Tor. They have an inline, uh, incline railway that I actually want to check out. But I okay. think that's on the only hill in Iowa. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and and when and you really have to call it a hill. You cannot call it a yeah. mountain. You cannot call yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. You can't shoot guns in Dubuque. Because you might shoot someone in Cedar Rapids. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it's that flat. It's hey, that flat. Yeah. <laughs> when your dog runs away from you in Iowa, you can watch him run away for two days. <laughs> no, it's, it's, um, 
It really is a beautiful state, and and one of the things that we've always been most proud of is is our our park system. So of course now our esteemed governor wants to make uh, you can't see me air quoting bitterly, but wants to make the parks stand on their own two feet, which is like everything else. Everybody else is yeah. like pulling themselves up stand by their bootstraps, boot meaning yeah. okay, we're gonna just pull everything from you. So yeah, now you're opening up, and and there used to be a campaign. For the longest time, you used to see these bumper stickers everywhere, escape to Wisconsin, escape to Wisconsin. Because, yeah. yeah, we have these beautiful parks and camping and fishing and whatever you want. But yeah. now, you're right, it's going to be Taco yeah. Bell or Nokia um, Public Park. Or My yeah. favorite was the slogan, You're Among Friends, because I saw at a, <laughs> there was a bar in uh, just south of Sun Prairie that I went to that had a, a version of that Wisconsin slogan that said, Wisconsin, you're among drunks. <laughs> I was like, that is a great T-shirt. <laughs> Well, the one that I've seen lately that I really love is a picture of the, the outline of the state. It says, drink Wisconsin, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, is, so, you know, if you can do that, that's, there's something to be said for it. But yeah, yeah, no, this is really, it's got a lot of the hunters very upset because what? they're not going to be able to sustain their hunting and uh, it's no. all going to uh, be trouble. But I thought he wouldn't double down. It seems like he's doubling down on all these issues. Oh, yeah. Creating a lot of fur in order to. Oh, yeah. Which makes me even more scared because I, I thought truly that he wouldn't be doing this scorched earth bullshit until after his failed presidential I totally bid, didn't think he would either. Apparently he seems yeah. pretty no, happy with it. This is how he intends on getting the nomination. Yeah, yeah. yeah now uh, that we know that, is, I had uh, no idea. I thought it'd be yeah. a mellow uh, governorship because he didn't want protests at home right. while he's preparing for this presidential run. Right. But no, Republicans vote for the candidate that beats their chest the hardest. Basically, I know you're you're totally right, Tori. Yeah. I mean, that's a good way of saying it. I, I think it's so, the more extreme you can be, the right. Yeah. All right. So we have other things to talk about, well, but you no, want to talk about the? We we should probably talk a little bit more. Just just okay. Just a touch. Just a more touch more about the the governors. And he, it, I mean, it was a gaffe, but he of course he doesn't acknowledge it as a gaffe. Where he said, well, I, I can deal with the Islamic State because I had to deal with angry union protesters. And it's like, oh, yeah, you're right. They're just the same I've thing. I've dealt with 100,000 protesters, so I can yeah. deal with ISIS. Yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, I have to say, uh, in The Atlantic yeah. this month is an excellent article on uh, ISIS. And mm -hmm. uh, they did some really good investigative journalism and really kind of described more about what the caliphate means mm -hmm. and how it uh, – whole sections of the Quran and uh, Sharia law – become effective once the caliphate has been um so so it's it's actually really interesting and the end of the article is you know they were talking about well you know how do you combat this because when you started reading it it wasn't just enough to be a good muslim you you also then you know had to undergo all this self-criticism of well am i the best muslim i could be and then mm -hmm. of course you know turn in your friends and and of course this can include you know beheadings crucifixions all kinds of things they do have an apocalypse theory which they think is coming soon and uh jesus actually will be the one the deal breaker to come in and 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 deal with everything so other than mohammed wow. they're, they're big fans of jesus it was. It's just a really good article, and it, and it does kind of lay more things into place. And I think the conclusion of it was, essentially, they said, this is so rigid and impossible to maintain that 
there's no way in the world that this is going to survive very long because there, there has not been a caliphate since 1924. Yeah, even Al Qaeda is looking at them like, who are these guys? Oh yeah, and they hate <laughs> they hate the Saudis too because right. they say <clears throat> even though they're Sunni Wahhabists, mm-hmm. which we covered in our our podcast in Saudi Arabia, they don't, according to the Islamic State, implement Sharia law correctly. So they they were saying, oh yeah, they just pick but who up. Who does really? Well, that's the thing, you know. So so they they were saying, well, you know, sure they'll cut your hands off if you steal something, or behead you if you do this, or stone you if you're an adulterer. But they don't have the thing where you you know give a certain amount of wealth to the poor and you take care of the sick and the old. And it's like, no, it all stays with the royal family. So they they hate everybody uh-huh. essentially, mm-hmm. and they cannot recognize boundaries. They cannot recognize borders. So, like, you know, it, like, goes against everything <laughs> about modern statesmanship, you know, since, like, the 1600s of, yeah, okay, wow. you might have taken this piece of land or that piece of land, but we'll just draw the lines here. They don't draw lines. The caliphate is not just an instrument of punishment or Sharia law. It's, to them, a methodology for spreading Islam and salvation through Islam. So mm. it's a very fascinating article. So... Wow. Did it take something... That's in the Atlantic? The Atlantic. Okay. I also noticed, was it a Pew Research poll? Because there were polls on... There's a lot of discussion continuing because of this that, uh, you know, Muslims condoning the attack on Charlie Hebdo, that a full 25% of Muslims supported violence against (laughs) uh, showing the Prophet Muhammad or insults to the religion itself. Right. That's, That's... Millions of people. Right. I know. (laughs) That's millions of people. Uh, It does. Islam does seem to be going through, um, if if not implicitly. A middle child phase? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) They're kind of, they're becoming very Janish. Yeah. Um, It it seems to be, uh, you know, through a, a very, I mean, certainly with the Islamic State, this does seem to be the most extreme strain we've yet seen of, of Islam. But. Uh, this is considered to be the truer, more fundamentalist form, more first century form of Islam. Sure, but I, I think that in a modern society, in a modern world, I think all the modern Muslims or anyone calling them, themselves a Muslim in a modern country and yeah. living and abiding by our laws in whatever country it is that they're living in, they're going to have to go through and figure out how they're going to manage their religion within the system to... Uh, well, not murder people, okay, yeah. or, or not <laughs> condone the murder of people I, I, for I should mention insulting their here. religion. The uh, I I put a, a tweet on Twitter, uh, actually about a uh, the ISIS uh, uh, Walker saying that he would uh, fight ISIS, and I said essentially, you, you know, he said since he brought on the protesters, so I assume he's going to fight ISIS using the methods he did against us protesters, which was hide under his desk and, uh, and, and, you know, bash <laughs> unions. Good. Yeah. So <laughs> no, you shut up. Don't touch me. Yeah. I'm going to use yeah. my no, underground this, tunnel. This is, Stop <laughs> looking at me. So that would be his foreign policy. So I, uh, I kind of did that in, uh, in jest, but, uh, there's actually someone replied to that tweet and they are a part of a uh, Muslim movement. Now, of course, I'm not Muslim, so I really don't understand all this stuff. But it sounded very interesting. It called it either small Islam or, or simple Islam, mm-hmm. something like that. And uh, I, I've read one of their documents, and it's kind of interesting. I'm not going to 
try to portray it, but it looked like a potential solution how to Islam revisited. Yeah, that yeah, that might have been it, and mm-hmm. and uh, and and as a way to be uh, Islamic and Muslim, yeah, simple and, Islam, and simple Islam, uh, um, but not necessarily be tied to this uh, extremism that you get with different right. different sects of Islam. So uh, that's interesting. I, you know, maybe people should look into that. Um, sure, could be interesting. So I'll give them a plug since you know that cool. that's really what you know we're trying to I mean, say here with Tank Ride is you know yeah. think about things and study things and you know yeah. See and when we, you disagree with us, uh, tweet at us at Tank Riot. <laughs> yeah, you know if you're if you're yeah if you're if you think your God wants you to kill other people or suppress gays or just be generally abusive, then shop for another God. Yeah. Look for another one. Look for a friendlier one. Right. Or, or yeah. none. Uh. Or none. Or none. That's, that works too. Yeah. What was Nothing like, is always an option. What was yeah. the uh, – um, oh, was it Honda that came out with the ad that the nicest people ride a Honda or something? Right. Like that? Yeah. There you go. Nice. That actually worked huge yeah. for them. You know it's nice <laughs> to be nice to the nice? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so we did have a murder here in town. We want to talk yes. about that a little bit. Yes, we should. I mean, it's made yeah. national news. I saw Mayor uh, Sogland was, was on CNN. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, he was with Anderson Cooper, and I'm like, oh my and god, Anderson Pooper, yeah, Anderson Pooper. Yeah, and NBC actually had a helicopter yesterday. A helicopter, <laughs> awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, uh, filming the demonstration. Uh, it was. Uh, Mainly teenagers uh, yeah, leaving know, school. I don't want to be cynical, but. Yes. Come anyway, on, it was a nice day. They, <laughs> it was, it was a nice day, and they were. Uh, th- their message was that Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. and I'm yeah. sure it was more than that. But yeah, that's the summary. Well, so let's get down to the brass tacks. Okay, so a black man was shot. An unarmed black man was shot by a white police officer here in Madison, Wisconsin. So. Yeah. The marches went into place well, well, okay. pretty quickly. But he didn't just walk up to an unarmed black man and shoot him. No. It was a guy no. who, and, and we won't go into his previous record, but it was a guy who was being chased for some reason and driving erratically through the streets. Don Willie Street, where I actually used to live, mm-hmm. you know, local neighborhood, exactly the same neighborhood where Paul Heenan was killed by a police yeah, officer. There's yes. a lot of parallels to that. So yes. it's very interesting. Um, and there was a big outrage when Paul Heenan was killed, which was a horrible, mm-hmm. you know, horrible event. And and so yeah. was this. But, um, yeah, he was being chased. There was a disturbance in the apartment that he ran into. And the police officer, rather than wait for backup, thought that he should go in because something could be happening in there that he might disrupt. As far as we know, and this is all just in the new. everyone knows this right. nationally or whatever, who's so, so the original, watching this. The original call came in, as I understand it, and the, he was the, the uh, man who was shot was, a, was obstructing traffic and had been possibly involved in an assault. And when the officer came in, you were saying that, yes, there was all this hoopla coming from the apartment and so forth and this guy's a he's been on the madison police force for 12 years mm-hmm. 
and the person who was shot had just done six months, was still, I think, on or just completed or was on six months probation for assault. For, for armed, armed robbery, yeah. I think. But mm-hmm. I, and I don't want to get into his previous conviction too much because I don't want to say, well, because that, that's what they were doing with that case in Ferguson where they are saying, well, no, he had previous, yeah. you know. Right, now all this other right. stuff Crimes. is coming out with Ferguson and that's where it's why like, he's to blame. you're walking while black. <laughs> yeah, that, there's exactly. a fine for that. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't want yeah. to say and, that. And, and the cop like didn't happened. know his priors. At right, the time, right. So same, in Ferguson, same in Ferguson. Same in Ferguson. The cop's right. not going to know the priors of things while no. this is ongoing. Right. But anyway, he went right. in, and the guy jumped toward the police. Is what we're hearing mm-hmm. toward the police officer, and the police officer shot him like five times and killed him. Which is, I'd heard also too that he had struck him in the head. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know what, about the injuries the police officer has suffered either. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the full story. No, no, and and this is all coming out and so forth. But mm-hmm. oh my goodness, there were marches immediately, and I'm fine with that. I think it's okay for people to get their frustrations out on issues and do things like that. Yeah. But my immediate reaction when I heard this was not to get out and march. I, I was like, uh, I think I need to just sit back and wait a little bit until well, we can figure out what I guess exactly. What I, I would have to say, gentlemen, that I, I feel somewhat offended by the tone that, that, that some of the marches have been taking. I, of course, I agree with them, you know, venting, and this is mm-hmm. a peaceful way to do it and making their feelings known as a group. And that's, that's and, totally And we fun. should state they have been peaceful. Peaceful. Well, they have been that's very how peaceful. Madison the, protests. That's how right. we do. That's how we yeah. do it in Wisconsin. But I guess the comparisons to Ferguson <laughs> no. is, is what pisses <laughs> yeah. me off because it's like Madison yeah. is not Ferguson. Right. The Madison Police Department really goes to great pains to try to. I know, am not a outreach. cop lover myself. No, but you have to say and that. I don't. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think that that this is a. a fair comparison at all no, to make. No. Madison is not uh, another Ferguson. But what it does say is that mm-hmm. police have had these policies in place for a long time. Right. We growing up always thought, well, aren't they supposed to shoot him in the knee? Aren't they supposed to disable the person coming at him? Yeah, use a taser or something. Well, here's what here's the problem in America. Here's the problem with that scenario. If you're going to carry a taser and go for him with your taser, then your gun is exposed. And you can't just have a taser. You have to have a gun because we've decided in America that everyone should have guns flowing everywhere out of vending True. machines and guns are in everybody's hands all over the place. Yeah. So a police officer in America can't walk around like they do in England without a gun yeah. because th- they will get murdered. <laughs> but but to be fair, uh, a taser is not going to work through winter clothing either. Right, so, exactly. you know, no. and if you if you'd been struck in the head and, you know, someone's attacking you. I mean, that's what I feel uncomfortable in Ferguson, yes, I had questions about what actually happened, you know, because just the way Ferguson seems to have been run for quite some time mm-hmm. seems very Jim Crow to me. And I, I think don't think that's telling tales out right. of school. But with in, in Madison, they're aggressively hiring. I mean, that's what one of the recruiters said. I'll yeah. always go after blacks and uh, uh, minorities. And uh, he was even talking about um, trying to get the gay community on the force, <laughs> like yeah. when hiring, like he's aggressively oh, yeah. looking for people to hire, not to target for right. discrimination <laughs> against. Because um, yeah. we have a, you know, they they have that they have that outlook, and I think they're trying to uh, be involved in the community in a very different way. Right, and there's a lot of community outreach where they're trying to do, you know, little East Side Station and little East, you know, yeah. where they are in the community. But but I, I think it's almost and and we'll let the dust settle. There is and actually we have this system in place here where they investigate. 
whenever a, a shooting of this nature it's a happens, brand new law. it's a brand new law that we have that uh, will investigate that by situation by an independent source. Right. Right. So, so it won't be the police department investigating themselves. But I'm going to tell you, is, unlike uh, Vladimir Putin investigating <laughs> yeah. the assassination of his um, right, yeah, his opponent. Yeah. Did, did you see the thing? Oopie doopy, nothing happened here. Did you Did you see the thing with where the video was blocked because of the snow oh, truck? God. That was awesome. I mean, it literally happened right out in front of the Kremlin. This or, is such uh, a Soviet thing. I know, I mean, right? This is so Soviet, what's going on over there. It just reeks of Stalin. It's, yeah, it's, uh-huh. it's so Soviet. I, I just, yeah. I know it's a free Russia now, but no. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm not buying the, <laughs> yeah. the KGB is not It's a kind of involved. sort of free Russia. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but but I'm going I'm to say right away, my feeling is it's a policy issue that police carry guns and that's they're not trained to shoot them in the ankle they're trained to if they're going to pull out a gun and aim it at someone they are trained to use it with deadly force you don't aim a gun at someone right. if you're not intending deadly no, force you shoot toward center right. body man so, so so if he pulled out his gun he was probably intending deadly force and it probably was the only action you know to take and that's where it's going to be nitpicked but i have he, a feeling he, that um, an independent reviewer is going to probably side with the police officer they, they that's always how they fall well I, I yeah. think a couple of things here, maybe more than a couple. For one, I, I'm not going to you know, judge until all the facts kind of come out. But two, if the review says the police officer acted in the way in which he was trained, then I think we need to look at exactly the training of Sorry, the cops and... I was and, getting a couple moves ahead. And, <laughs> That's yeah, what I was and, trying and to certainly get to. the right. access yes. of local uh, police authorities and county authorities to military-grade hardware. Yeah, there's right. a definite move to militarization and, of the police force. You know, I have had a couple friends that has, have actually had cops pull guns on them. Oh, yeah. And, and hold them pinned down for a while. Mm-hmm. And this was a result of a mistake by the uh, stolen vehicle registry, mm-hmm. and it. So, my my friends were not in the wrong. They did nothing wrong, but right. due to the mistake, they were under Guys, gunpoint. I've had you police know? pull guns and aim them at me yeah, because sure. someone in my neighborhood shot a gun, and my buddy and I were going out to the store. And because we were just the only people out at that hour goofing off, we're like, do-do-do. Yeah. They came up, guns drawn and sirens blaring, and we had no idea what was going on. Sure. I mean— um, And it was yeah. really spooky, but, yeah, they had them out, and they were they were ready to go. And we're like, uh, yeah. we're and not so, I mean, harmful sure. at all. If, if, if you panic or— Oh, gosh, if, not if, a— If you would have, you know— Been black. Been black or, or like, maybe— grab for your wallet to show them your ID or something, and they yeah. thought you were grabbing for a gun. Oh, yeah. You know, who knows what they would They might have Actually, pulled the trigger. Yeah. I had a highway stop once where I got out of my car, and it was just, it was literally just a simply stretch because I'd been driving for a long time, and it, it turned out I had a, a taillight out. <clears throat> but I got, out of, I got out of the car, and I kind of fell a little bit because one of my legs was asleep. And I stood up kind of quick like this, and the cop was saying, sir, get back in the car. And that gun was out, mm-hmm. you know, thinking that I was like lurching toward him or something or I was yeah. angry at him. Look, I'm not going to question a life and death decision where you're literally dealing with seconds. And I don't all I'm trying to right. say is this is an unfortunate incident. But right. but, but when I mentioned that it, had I been black and, and you know, I, I think that the police are often heightened. 
in response to black individuals. So I think they definitely patrol the black neighborhoods more. Oh yeah, I well, mean yeah, yeah. and Let's, they make up seven percent of our population. Yet forty four percent of our jail population in the Dane oh, County yeah. area is yeah. African American. Yeah. So and, there, there's definitely an issue, and there's definitely this is really a good point of discussion. But I sure as shit hope that all the peaceful protesting that we do in this town that has happened year after year doesn't devolve into some kind of riotous bullshit oh, exactly, uh, over something like this. This is very true, and and one of the things that the BBC brought out is an article that had been written uh, a few months beforehand, which is Wisconsin does lead the nation in the incarceration of African-Americans. Read that to be Milwaukee, Beloit, Janesville, um, mainly Milwaukee. Milwaukee's yeah, one of the a, most segregated cities in the United States. There's a few coming from Madison, States. too. Yeah. You know, you, you see the people going in and out of the city-county building to see the go to the courts and that. Yeah. They're well, often black. Yeah, pretty much. There's I mean, some so simple, we have the issue here. Let's just say there's some simple pathways here. Milwaukee has a large urban black population. It's highly segregated. It's highly uneducated. There's a lot of problems in that community. There's a lot of research being done to try to figure out what they can do to help improve life in that community. But it's also a getaway uh, for people in the same type of community escaping Chicago. And then you get people in Madison escaping Milwaukee to come to Madison. Right. So you, you get this stepping stone thing that everyone's always worried about. Oh, not in my backyard. But right. but it's literally the people trying to make a better life for themselves. And just like every immigrant moving through this pathway, they're running into more and more hicks as they get further and further north oh, yeah. into the Wisconsin yeah, yeah. pine. Yeah. You know, you get above the up, belt, up above, above the, the pine, pine curtain. curtain. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. I've, I've, yeah, that's I've, pretty redneck. I've talked there. to guys that have had that experience. The, uh, I talked to a guy that you know he went was up north and went to stop at a farmer's apple stand, and farmer came out with a shotgun. <laughs> oh yeah, you know wanted the guy. No, to leave. I mean so that um, is very sad. It does. Yeah, I mean it does <laughs> yeah, happen. I mean, Madison. Have, it, I'm sorry. Please go ahead. But Tony. Madison always tries well, to say that it's a saintly city that is above all this, but I don't think we are. Well, we're, and, it's not, you know, I, I Madison think, does this all the time, though. It was like when Madison, uh, you guys probably don't remember him, but uh, Mayor Dyke, mm. uh, he was one of the few times we didn't have Paul Soglin as a mayor. This was like in the, you know, 70s, early 80s. And Madison, Madison had prostitutes and massage parlors. Quit rubbing it in. And pimps like all <laughs> over the goddamn place. Across a hundred and ten Well, I see. The the thing is, is is that um, Madison is though it's the capital city of Wisconsin. It, it has kind of a prudish Midwestern academic feel to it a lot of times. So it wasn't like you yeah. know, oh well, you know, we're we don't want we want to help these women who are prostitutes or whatever. It was just like oh. These 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 you know soiled doves these these fallen women you know it it had that kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. With Madison, I think we've we've always had a pretty good track. I, I guess what bothers me is that kind of me too. Mm-hmm. I want to run around with a banner saying Black Lives Matter, and it's like, look, we have mm-hmm. walked the walk and we've talked the talk here. Yes, yeah. there have been incidents, but well, there's this mo- is not Ferguson. Most of the students that were marching with the Black Lives Matter. Banner were black. We're in fact black. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, I think one of the main issues we have in Madison is, for whatever reason, we tend to hire people like ourselves. So, a lot of businesses, I think, have an easier time hiring white people than they do black. And I think 
that that's just a hunch on my part, but I, I think that's a barrier there. And then then that's well, coupled with that's true. Uh, job training is is it's due to economic situations or whatnot. Sure, of course, it's it's harder for the black population to get the appropriate job training to mm-hmm. step up. Well. And, well, those are all good points, Tar. I mean, we could yeah. talk about the socioeconomic reasons right. for yeah. crime I, and so mm-hmm. forth. But the, I think in the end, what it comes down to is Madison is a, a kind of a one-horse cow town. You know, it's not it's, – it's, it's a small town pretending it's a big city. And it's really not. And, and, but we, we are getting larger city problems and people trying to escape larger city problems coming here – and this is about as far north as you're going to go before you're going to run into, you know, Redneckville. And unless you can make it to Minneapolis, yeah, that's right. That's that's your oasis. Yeah, get on a get on a fast camel mm-hmm. and get up to the Twin Cities because there's a whole lot of hillbilly in between. I mean, there there should be a national dialogue about about these incidents and police shooting and police training and certainly the militarization of police, but. I'd have to say that we, again, should look at each of them case by case and not just say, well, here's another incident of this, that, and another thing. In Ferguson, this is systemic. You, you, you have systemic problems, you know, in, mm-hmm. in, in this town, in many different areas. Certainly the uh, chokehold in New York and so forth. I mean, there, there are many incidents that, yes, this has to be looked at right. either by police training, the police individual, right. uh, the police department, what have you. But I think I think police policy as well. I mean, like I was saying earlier about them having to carry firearms. I mean, those firearms are going to be how, how are they going to be used? And it could be analyzed as a policy decision. Uh, but. I still think we're going to end up in situations where police kill citizens. Yeah. Uh, it's just something that is going to happen. But I think we have to – it's a great opportunity for us to have a dialogue about it. Absolutely. But I don't think that Madison is Ferguson or no. a Ferguson And that's the only distinction place. I yeah. was interested in making was right. that – Yeah, no, th- this is something – but, but the, it's yeah. you know we'll see what the investigation says. Uh, I believe there's a group called Moses Madison or something like that that mm-hmm. has been uh, you know working on various police issues in Madison, especially with the black community, uh, criticizing the over over patrolling of the black community and mm-hmm. and that. So it's it's an ongoing issue, and, and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I guess. absolutely. Cool. Uh, gentlemen, do we have any more? But first, I oh, one more thing on the police things. I, okay. uh, Madison Police, I think, is planning to get officer cameras. You know, the body cameras, bad yes. body cameras, which I, I think is a great idea. I don't think they have them yet, so I don't think no, there'd no. be any footage of the recent incident. But no, you know, that's that's not. another issue. This is, this is totally a dumb anecdote yeah. that I have no I have no basis to to iterate. But uh, there was a police force that had to hand over a video of their body camera to right. the civilian who's. Her husband was killed by the police, mm-hmm. and so they gave her a CD, and it had the footage on it, but it was encrypted, and they wouldn't give her the encryption key. So therefore, they had followed the policy of the letter of the law by giving her a copy uh, of the video. Unreadable. But, but... unreadable, and, and there's no way for her to read it. I'm just like, oh, wow. my God, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Following the, the letter, law. if not the spirit of the yeah, law. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I just thought we should talk about a couple other quick things. Um, sure. 
I really uh, enjoyed the Academy Awards this year, and yes. I, there were some there were some good winners and, and losers in there. Did you see the film Birdman? I did. Yes, I, I was okay with it winning Best Picture. Um, the only other real contender I felt in those in in, in the group was uh, Boyhood. Yeah, I, I have not seen Boyhood. So I... Boyhood's <sighs> a great film, but it's it is very long. It is very slow in some ways. You keep expecting, honestly, something just horrible to happen, but but really, it's just a film about a childhood, and there's just ominous tones of a movie that shifts. They actually filmed it over a period of 12 years, and uh, they do like 10 minutes of when the kid was 12, then 10 minutes when he's 13, and then 14, and then 15, and it was just really fascinating to watch a kid grow up on screen or whatever, mm-hmm. and Patricia Arquette was great in that. I'm glad I'm okay with her winning, but but honestly, best actor... When it got to that point, the the most brutal part about the Academy Awards was when, if you watch uh, the footage, you can see Michael Keaton mm-hmm. have his uh, speech out to give his speech. And then when the kid who is in Theory of Everything wins, yeah. you see him tuck away his speech back in his oh. best pocket. I'm like, oh, that it's hurts. so sad. <laughs> that hurts. I love Michael Keaton so much. But anyway, yeah. I really liked Birdman. I really loved that film. Did I you... know it's like a love letter to like uh, Hollywood and on well, stage the, the and theater. theater yeah. and it actually reminded me of Rope, that old Hitchcock film, because they were doing Very that much stream so. of consciousness. Like it's a one shot, only it doesn't just span the two hours or whatever. It spans several days of, of his now, life. I think the only movie in that whole, of most of them that, that really were on the top there, that I saw was the Grand Budapest Motel. Oh, Grand Budapest oh, Hotel. Oh, Hotel, yes. I should say. Yeah. Did you guys see that? That's oh, a wonderful I love movie. that movie. That was an awesome movie. That's an excellent movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that That's... Yeah. I, I love that style of music. <laughs> Does there something seem to be so. wrong with Madam? She's shaking like a shitting dog. <laughs> Ray Fiennes just yes, owned that he, movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. beautiful movie. Another, another thing I saw recently was uh, what if Wes Anderson made the X-Men movies? Yeah. And they took... They, they did this some people can do the Wes Anderson style really well and they had all the X-Men in their X costumes and the dialogue was totally Wes Anderson <laughs> and the flat uh, shooting it was beautiful but yeah it's it's just a trailer of Wes Anderson's the X-Men <laughs> Very wonderful. But Grand Budapest was a really, really good, I, good film. I love yeah. that movie yeah. from start to finish. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. thought that was just uh-huh. great. Birdman, though, uh, let me ask you this. Okay. Do you think that, like, the last maybe 10, 15 minutes of it, like, from the from the hospital scene on, did, did that have, like, a tacked-on feeling to you? A little bit, because I think it was tacked on in the way that there were ways that that could have ended that uh, yeah. I think I think they were kind of at odds with how it was going to wrap up, and I think there were darker ways it could have ended, and I actually would have been okay with those ways. I would have been so, too. But so the way it ended, yeah, I think it had to be because of the way they chose to um, mm-hmm. the route. I don't know the the payout they chose to go with. Um, it seemed to me like a guy who who was just slow, you know, like his whole life and all of his savings were wrapped up in in this one play. And he was just slowly going insane, and right. everything was going bad around him. And and I have to say, it had the most grating soundtrack. I I kind of like the soundtrack because I kind of liked how it kept you on your toes. Uh, 
I, I actually enjoyed it. And I've heard other people say they didn't like it either, but uh, I really enjoyed it. You mean the drumming? The a lot of the drumming. Well, it was yeah, on? it was kind of like jazzy. Whiplash. There's this jazz yeah, it feel was just this very discordant. Yeah. And but I mean that's that played along with oh oh yeah, yeah. the guys it, it kept you amped up. Mind. It kept yeah. you amped up in some ways. You, you were I was on edge because of that style, and I really liked it. And I also really enjoyed Ed Norton's performance. Oh God, that yeah. guy can be a son of a bitch. And what was fun is everyone was playing to type. Yeah. Like Keaton was playing the Birdman guy, you know. Yes, he Coming back from Batman, and Ed Norton was playing the irascible uh, actor who can't take direction from anybody. Right. And they were playing into who they really were in a way you don't see often done. And I really had fun with it. I, I very much enjoyed that film. Yeah. So yeah, I was fine with that winning. I was really sad for Keaton though, and I, I want him to win something. Cause, and that was a really good performance too. I thought it was very solid. But I haven't seen the theory of everything yet, so maybe that kid who played Stephen Hawking did a wonderful, wonderful job. I, I just don't know if I can bring myself to watch that one. I mean, it just to me, I don't know. I yeah, got, I'd like I to got see a lot. It. Of, I, I haven't seen it either, but yeah. you know, anything that like shows science. I think is good for society. Yeah, that's also true. Culture here. I still have to beat the DLCs of Borderlands, so there's things I have to do on Xbox that just require my time more than the theory of anything. <laughs> no, everything. Sorry. I understand. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> gentlemen, let's uh, delve into the deep state. Now, there will be two links on our website for this. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Wait, before we talk about deep state, one yes. last thing, one last All thing, because right, I totally forgot about it. I've been really upset about these fucking Republican Tea Party people who have been in negotiations now. Uh, They brought Netanyahu in to speak to their uh, Congress. And now they sent this fucking letter to the Iranian government Mm -hmm. uh, because they're upset with Obama doing anything because apparently they don't think the executive branch Mm -hmm. should be allowed to negotiate with foreign governments. Mm-hmm. But we have this thing, and and it's never been enforced, and it really, it really is old school. And there's doubts of the constitutionality, but it's called the Logan Act of 1799, which has only been talked about several times in in its history. Right. Almost brought charges against someone. The whole idea of the Logan Act is no American citizen shall engage a foreign government when the United States is in negotiations with them in any right. way that might affect those negotiations. Exactly. Basically. <clears throat> And there was times when Jesse Jackson went and visited Cuba. Right. They totally pissed off Reagan, I believe. Mm-hmm. And there were earlier times in the 1800s when this was almost brought to charges. Well, sure. when Reagan can't campaign, uh, cut the deal with the Iranians. To, yeah. Uh, hold, yeah, for the, <laughs> the October surprise. Yeah. <laughs> hold the hostages so yeah. Carter would not win. And there, or or yeah. Nixon and Kissinger negotiating mm-hmm. with uh, the North Vietnamese yeah. previous to the 68 totally, election. Totally would have fallen. Totally would have yeah. fallen in the same. Yeah. Um, and there's also visits. Uh, gosh, what, who is the guy who only won Minnesota? Um, Mondale. 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 Yeah. So mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. There's other things, uh, but but mainly this is really highly frustrating because 47 Republicans signed off on this letter to the Iranian government and the Iranian government rebuffed them and told yeah. them that they didn't understand how the American political system worked, which is just <laughs> hilarious when you consider. Yeah, we I don't, don't either. I don't want to be Alanis Morissette here, but that's pretty fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you're undermining our own president and you're the legislative branch, I mean, he can negotiate things because that's what the executive branch does. That's well, why he is the yeah. president. But but they legislate it. So, I mean, mm-hmm. they don't they don't ratify anything he does or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I think I even heard someone say that they did. But I just thought it was highly frustrating. And it's not not in any way treasonous, but it is 
it's not it's not treasonous, but it's it's just not done. It's it's, it's highly it's, disrespectful. It hasn't been done. Well, well, the other thing with the Netanyahu speech is they had him come over here while he is campaigning for re-election, and by doing that, they are essentially endorsing him as, to be to continue as being prime minister yes. minister of Israel. Yeah. So they are actively meddling in a democratic election in another country, mm-hmm. which is. Uh, frowned upon. I can't think of the last time this has happened. Is this like a new strategy? Is this a new way of uh, business that I'm not aware of? Well, Maybe the deep state has some answers for why this kind of thing is happening. Actually, (laughs) I I would say this. Um, If if you have a chance, uh, you can stream this uh, off of Netflix. Uh, it's it was uh, on the History Channel, and you know I've I've been a huge critic of the History Channel. Every once in a while, they'll pull something out of their ass, like Vikings, third season. Awesome. Yeah, it is really good. Yeah, um, yeah. Lagatha. Mm. Oh, I know, right? I need a Roman bath. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> <laughs> Are you a free woman? If you know what I mean. Nudge, nudge, wing, wing. <laughs> but. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, even you know, a woman who can look sexy even when she's covered in horse manure. Yeah, you got to you got to give props to. <laughs> but, yeah. anyways, the History Channel had this series called "The Ultimate Guide to the Presidents," and mm-hmm. they actually trotted it out for President's Day last month. And it, I, I have to say, it's really worth watching because it's kind of like the podcast we did on the worst presidents, worst U.S. presidents, <laughs> yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> But they, they essentially go from president to president to president, and they give you a good context of what is going on in the country at right. the time. because that's so the forth. most important thing if you're going to be talking about – Right. Because you, know. you could say, well, that was stupid, but then – you could, Well, yeah, but then this was going on. Mm-hmm. Anyways, what's fascinating is, is that you get an overall look at how the uh, government, the three-ring government, as, as they always uh, right. called it in uh, – schoolhouse rock really evolved so so the president had you know at first when they you know with washington john adams wanted him to be called your majesty and 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 so on and and finally you know no one could really figure out how to address him he said why don't you just call me mr president (laughs) you know so like you know like everything washington did was literally a precedent setter so the i mean even even though it wasn't uh, illegal to run for more than two terms until you know, a- after FDR, right. uh, it was always considered proper that you only did two terms. Well, that's because he chose. Yeah. And and he yeah. could have gone longer. People were begging him to stay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was absolutely. Like, uh, no, I've got slaves. I mean, things to do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and what was interesting is, is that you see that the executive branch from I – th- I think you could probably say – maybe from Teddy Roosevelt on has just had like a steady upward gain of power. Mm-hmm. So, so the executive branch is very much out of sync in terms of checks and balances. And certainly from the early period on, the Supreme court did not really exist in its present form. That didn't exist until quite a you know few years later and didn't really like take its place as that third part until later as well. So it was the Congress that really controlled most everything. So you you get you you can really see how that evolved, and then especially when I'm thinking of our worst presidents podcast when you when you start to get from like the 1840s on, it's just like dud after dud after dud. You know, it's like oh, I don't know what to do about slavery. I'm just going to sign <laughs> off on this shit. <laughs> so then you get Lincoln. 
who, you know, inherits all this shit. And yeah, he did take a lot. I mean, the executive branch had more power in those years than it had in all the previous years right. combined. Well, because Civil Lincoln, War might have had something to do with Well, of course, of Lincoln, course. Lincoln, who was a Republican that established the income tax. Right. If my history is correct. And I believe uh, the greenback and, and many other things. Yeah. So, but he also suspended the writ of habeas corpus and, and you know, imprisoned people without cause and so forth. But you're right. There was a civil war mm. going on at the time. He waterboarded people. He waterboarded people. That did not <laughs> start until the Philippine insurrection. <laughs> they actually have photos of Americans uh, pouring hot salt water down Filipinos' throats. He oh, said, oh, yeah, they blow up like frogs. Oh, God. Oh, my God. That's where the term gook came from was that, uh, too. Oh. Yeah, wonderful little. Yeah, every now and then I'm on <laughs> Wikipedia and I read about, like, Mary Turner and things. And I'm like, oh, no, I <laughs> no, I didn't just read that. I know. So, no, don't go read that. Don't, I, don't I suggest you that. don't go read about Mary Turner. Do not read that. Yeah. But. You you see that uh, you know like when Andrew Johnson, <laughs> excuse me, uh, Lincoln's vice president came in, he was pretty much just running roughshod over everything, and Congress just like snapped right back mm-hmm. and said, "Hey, you know what? Your personal staff, you can't hire or fire him. You can't do any of that. No, in fact, you know here's what here's what's going to happen." And and you know he would do all these things. So one of the ways that Andrew Johnson got around it was. Of course, it got really hot in Washington and come around May, so they suspended Congress, you know, until the hot the summer was over. That's when he'd do all of his stuff. That's when he'd get all of his stuff done. <laughs> and then Congress <laughs> have to come back and like clean all this shit up. And uh but but then uh you know, pretty much from the twentieth century on, from from Teddy Roosevelt on, and I'm sure there was others that that, you know, probably grabbed for more power and so on, but Really, from about the turn of the century on, the executive branch has just gained more and more control. And there's always been an ongoing feud between the legislative and executive branches. So currently now the GOP strategy is pretty much what can we do to completely shut down the functions of government and render the executive branch powerless? Now, I don't know that it's – I guess jumping into negotiations with foreign – Governments would render the exactly. I mean, <laughs> but I thought actually there was an angle of uh, maybe uh, working up some more, you know, a war with Iran or working up some more troubles with Iran or yeah. worsening relations with Iran might have been a goal as well, like a dual goal. Yeah. Well, and, and then certainly, I mean, certainly there there are very, you know, heavy relations. Uh, and negotiations going on between America and the state of Israel. So in many ways, what Israel does or what America does reflects on the other country mm-hmm. equally. So, I mean, we're if, if, if Israel just sort of got it into their head to attack Iran, we would be pulled into that conflict, I have no doubt. So... Um, yeah, we 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 have this this very deep bond with the state of Israel, and but I I felt that this was just one more thing that defines this Congress is is almost virtually useless, right? And I actually called um, the vague millionaire Ron Johnson's office to verify that our senator from Wisconsin did sign the letter to the Iranian. Of course, government. he did because yeah. he's a moron. Right? He, he's he's a lockstep uh, Tea Party. Yeah. 
Republican, but yes. So uh, I would it, say if you if you um, wouldn't mind calling your congressman and making sure they understand that you understand that they are a complete moron, which I made very clear to his staff, uh, and 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 mention the Logan Act if you get a chance, and talk about sure. how it is also a felony. Uh, <laughs> but I but I will agree though that the executive branch has too much power and it is not in. A good check and balance, right? I, I also, right. yeah. But that does not mean that that a party more or less holds the legislative branch hostage right. until a, a, a malleable <laughs> Republican president comes along. I'm not sure which logical fallacy that is, but yes, right. there it is, is one yes, where yes. I don't like them, but I'm not still empowered. In many do these ways, other things. the Congress has well. The current influences on Congress have too much power, and it's it's the people have to start claiming the power back. So what Victor said is one step in that direction. I yeah. would agree. Yeah, I mean, just um, they they only listen to the phone calls because they don't understand math. And I, I, I <laughs> they really was, don't understand math. Yeah, I I read the uh, analysis uh, of the Netanyahu uh, situation, um, some articles, and they were those particular articles were claiming. That Netanyahu needs to create conflict. Uh, he needs to establish fear because that's the uh, only thing that can justify the existence of the Likud party. I believe that's yeah. the party he's in. Correct. And so if peace breaks out, there's no point in his party <laughs> continuing. Right. <laughs> and uh, so they have to have this fear to, to uh, keep there, the power going sure but there's also the softer side of his campaign because i've seen some of his campaign is also trying to show that he's like a normal everyday guy not yeah. some rich billionaire guy he yeah. netanyahu uh comes across as just a very nice guy he has a great way of speaking yeah he, he seems like a great guy that you want want to just sit down and hang out with you, you know he seems uh, like the ceo of israel as opposed to the prime minister yeah yeah and he's you know he's very likable in that way but i think there's some scamming going i mean that's oh yeah just because he's a smooth talker doesn't mean he's right, right. israel certainly you know, has its yeah. own agenda and security concerns and i think that our the bond with the United States is is so deep that I'm I'm afraid that some adventurism on his part could definitely pull us into a very bad conflict. Right, and mm. and, and you know, 100 percent of Israel is not behind Netanyahu. No. What, oh my I, God. I don't know whoever the other candidate is. They're going to get a lot of votes, a large, oh, yeah. a big percentage. I don't know if they'll win, but. There's a lot of Israelis that don't like the direction Netanyahu is going. So no, no. this is a you know something I guess Israel should decide, not the U.S. Republican uh, portion of Congress. Very well said, Tor. I agree completely. I also think that some of the things that the Republicans have done lately, and 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 actually the hijinks in general in America are at such a level and such a state that Russia and China now are. Is somewhat understandably calling for a different currency to be the world currency. Yes. So these things, uh, us losing our status as world currency or you know, oh, yeah. tastemaker of the world, basically, this could really affect us in ways that I don't know if it matters to the government or what we're now talking about as more of the deep state. Well, when the Republicans wanted to, um, you know, not pay the debt, you know, not up the debt ceiling and lose our AAA rating. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just have to do pull that shit once. 
And mm. people are going to say, well, then maybe we shouldn't. This shouldn't be the currency to buy oil or right. this or that or another thing. Yeah, you and don't then, get a ton of shots at it. And we yeah. lost a trillion during that one uh, during that one embargo they pulled. Yeah, <laughs> where they it's hard up. to keep track. Yeah. To be honest, <laughs> uh, I, I I don't know if even the Treasury Department keeps track of the embargoes. Yeah. but anyway, let's talk about. The deep state, and why are we doing a show about yeah. a conspiracy theory where we're not using the conspiracy music theme, which we haven't no. used in a long time because we're trying to no. kind of get away from talking about conspiracies because there aren't that many that are fun anymore. They're mainly pretty deranged, and what we want to do is talk about one that is kind of real. Well, yes, these so. these are issues that – so both of these articles, which we will have links to on our webpage, came out in February of 2014. And they're both, and I will be citing them heavily because they're very well written and they and they're very well researched. One is, so, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead, name the article. Uh, yeah, the uh, first one is uh, Anatomy of the Deep State, and it's by Mike uh, Lofgren, who uh, worked for 20 years as a, co- a congressional staff member on the both the House and the Senate Budget Committee and also specialized in the intelligence agency. And this is right. this is truly what we're talking about here. And the other article is Top Secret America, which is uh, by the Washington Post. Yeah. This and, is, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, the reason I find uh, this fascinating and the reason why this should be a full topic is I think we all need to start changing – God, I hate to say it – but the paradigm <laughs> that we use yeah. when we discuss politics in general – because I think that the divisiveness of the populace when we talk about Republicans this and Democrats that, I think that we need to understand that there's a lot more at work here than right. just a Republican-Democrat fight. But there's a deeper level that's not always – I don't want to misconstrue. We're not saying that it's Illuminati, everyone's connected, everyone knows what everyone's right. doing. But there yeah. are deeper levels that are – pushing the agendas forward that we're not able to address that this is yeah that essentially this is not a conspiracy in by the definition of here's a bunch of people plotting plotting (laughs) and you know you do this and you do this and then we'll all benefit this way this is this is organic growth that's out of control not legislated redundant not useful and costing us billions and billions right. of dollars. Also driving the agenda. And I driving mean, yeah. the agenda when as well, When you look yes. at Wall Street as being part of this. Yes. And in a way, it's it's kind of the market gone bad. And the market I'm using is just simply the, I don't know, the free exchange the of dish, ideas. The Petri dish in which the, our yeah, society and, and grows yeah. <laughs> but is a capitalist one. Why don't we just step back a little bit and where does the term deep state come from? The deep state Turkey. was first used Turkey. in Turkey, yes. and it is a system composed of high-level elements within the intelligence services, military, security, judiciary, and organized crime. And it has nothing to do with Thanksgiving turkeys. No. <laughs> They're completely this is the separate. country of Turkey. Yeah. And, and they – roughly they think the deep state in Turkey may have started – uh, about with the fall of the Ottoman Empire. Yes. Although going back even further in time, there may have been, you know, secret police and stuff that rulers would have had working for them and oh, yes. that sort of thing. And it's still, it's something 
maybe not 100% proven in Turkey, but you have a, a lie to this day, a lot of high level official officials saying, oh, yeah, there's a deep state state, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, in Turkey yeah. saying, you know, kind of acknowledging, yeah, well, there, there's something else, you know, underneath organizations, there's something there manipulating which, yeah. it. Yeah. Which is scary to me because we could at a point realize and reach the state where the term I think the terminology of deep state will gain traction in America because it's starting to make mainstream media a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that it's acknowledged in Turkey and yet Turkey is still there and, and people are openly talking about it. Right. Well, that doesn't solve it. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. It doesn't yeah. truly. So we don't have a good solution there. But right. I, I think the thing with, uh, we have to make the, the distinction though, that we're not talking about a shadow government, like say, uh, the Iran-Contra affair, where you had, you know, key individuals who were working out a plan right. to get money and weapons to a group that Congress cut funding off of, from. In other words, the Contras. So you had this big convoluted deal where the Israelis gave missiles to the United States to give to Iran, and then they paid us, and then we paid the con or this other group paid the Contras. No, this is this is much bigger than that. And again, you have to go back to Ike's farewell address, beware the military industrial complex. Now that that's almost trite now when you when you throw that off because it's it it can mean so many different things. But what Ike was talking about specifically was when you do get this uh cohesion between these various elements of the government, the military uh, corporations and and so on, working together, they have a way of not necessarily being an evil body, but but they're not legislated or controlled the same way that government is, or not as the case may be. But in other words, you you have this monster that's kind of out of control. You have this Frankenstein monster. So, I mean, that's how they first viewed uh, corporations. I mean, the first yeah. view on corporations was don't let them breed. You know, is don't let them stick mm -hmm. around. They have mm -hmm. to be dissolved within a certain time period. That's You're right. not allowed to maintain a corporation because it's detrimental to the society. Oh yeah, I mean, so that's what I was saying. Mm -hmm. Some of the things that Teddy Roosevelt did in the antitrust. Suits, oh yeah. I mean, now would I mean there there would be legions of lawyers coming out from the depths. Mm -hmm. To to uh, yeah. you know make sure this never ever occurs again. And what's amazing is you know just like um, the you know the second Terminator, <laughs> the uh, nice all the big trusts <laughs> like Standard or AT and T or whatever they they can bust them for for seventy five eighty a hundred years and they just reform. Yeah, and they just mm -hmm. and and there they are again, and everyone says, "Well, by God, that's just good business. It's all under one." Did room. you guys yeah. hear? We're now that net, net neutrality has made it past, there's already a patriot uh, patriot. It's not called the patriot. It's a patriot uh, something that's yeah. being pushed through the government. It's neutral as long as it doesn't interfere with national security. And right, so, and there's, yeah. they're going to throw all kinds of shit in the back of it. But you know, we'll see where that goes. Yeah. <laughs>
it terminology is important. Oh, on, it's got to have the word patriot that, in it. That, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is totally 1984. You know, it's the Ministry of Truth and the red, white, and fucking blue. <laughs> Wrap yeah. yourself in it long enough and hard enough, and yeah, and you can sell it and... anything to the rubes. Yeah, know? and that's really what it comes down to. So, yeah, one thing I, I do want to say is is that so this is all post 9/11. That we're talking about now. So we're just talking about that span of time. Yeah. Right. But to go back just a bit further, you could say, well, yeah, but, you know, guys, there's been this kind of thing going on, you know, since the Cold War, if not before. Yes, yeah. that's true. And that was what Ike was talking about, is that, yeah, you have all these different elements that realize we have somewhat common agendas and we can help one another out. Yeah, didn't they call that all the – wasn't that the big game? Wasn't that the theory of sure. international politics at the time, the, you know, the big game? And, yeah. And there's talk of like the new big game now. Real politique. Right, and, yeah. and things are just moving in a different uh, – different environments are now working well, together. To me, when I read these articles and, and other articles like it, and and the, the the anatomy of the deep state was on BillMoyers.com, and the top secret America was done by the Washington Post, and then they did very good investigative journalism. And what I found the most impressive about them is that, yes, you can read lots of these articles on what I would consider some of the not-so-trustworthy websites where, you know, they're kind of wearing tinfoil hats and blogging. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. Uh, looking at this, you, you can kind of look at it, and it's like, well, okay. Once we had used the atomic bomb, everything was going to be nuclear. We were one of the only people that had it, and that was it. We're not going to use a conventional military anymore. We mothballed so many things. Flash forward to Korea. Hey, we got no new planes. We got no new bombers. All of our ships are mothballed. Now what are we going to do? So then we go both conventional and nuclear. Spend trillions of dollars, literally, to go both directions and then, you know, God knows what on intelligence and, and, and everything else. This finally yep. ends with the dissolution of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. People start talking about the peace dividend and so forth. Right. Well, of course, that was talked about for about a couple months. And then it was like, God damn it, we need a new enemy. Well, Flash had a little bit more. We have terrorism, which is good because it's so vague and decentralized until the Islamic State. Yeah, that, you know, you can you can be chasing this ghost forever. Well, now, post 9-11, we have this intelligence race that we're spending even more money on than we did in the Cold War while our schools suffer, while our infrastructure suffers and infrastructure. Mm -hmm. You know, I I hate that use of that word. It's like if you think that going over a bridge is a 50-50 proposition and people start getting killed or yeah. you hit, hit a sinkhole or you hit a pothole in your in your road that busts an axle that's infrastructure that's just getting from here to there you know and and we don't spend any of that on anything anymore because all this money is going into the deep state and the deep state yeah. is essentially I do I do want to read this one quote though that was at the beginning of the anatomy of the deep state cuz I know we've talked before and I and I've made the comparison between America today and 4th century Rome and I, I thought this one was perfect it's from the martyrdom of man by Winwood Reed 1871 oh, yeah. uh Rome lived upon its principle till ruin stared it in the face industry is the only true source of wealth and there was no industry in Rome 
By day, the Ostia road was crowded with carts and muleteers carrying to the great city the silks and spices of the east, the marble of Asia Minor, the timber of the, of the Atlas, the grain of Africa and Egypt, and the carts brought out nothing but loads of dung. That was the return cargo. I think that's a good way to kick this off because uh, we do face yeah. very real decisions. In fact, I mean, do we have to uh, destroy our environment like China is clearly doing or the, the former Soviet Union did or whatever in order to be the most industrialist, biggest producers? No. Like Scott Walker's doing. <laughs> like Scott Walker's doing. Yeah. We don't want to mention names. Scott Walker. Yeah. But. Didn't Scott Walker also say that Reagan's big contribution to foreign affairs was uh, firing, uh, threatening the air traffic controllers, air traffic controllers. Firing, controllers. Firing, firing the them. air traffic controllers? Yeah. That, that was his great foreign policy move? Because then all the foreign governments were like, boy, he's tough. I'm sorry. I can remember when That's that shit stupid. happened. And right. I got to tell you, people were panicked oh like a God. motherfucker because essentially what he did was, okay, number one. This kind of shit hadn't happened since the 19th century, where you just said, oh, not only don't you have a right to strike, we're going to fire your ass outright. But but how is that his greatest foreign policy? Oh, it it I wasn't. Mean, Scott right. Walker, yeah. what the fuck? Where, why? I mean, maybe if you were firing foreign <laughs> air traffic controllers. <laughs> I actually had to fire you to point to, to, to a good foreign policy by Ronald Reagan. Yeah, but, but of all the right. things Reagan actually – Reagan had to mess around with things on an international stage. Oh he, yes, he yes. could have pointed to some Tea Party thing that Reagan did. I, th- I uh, think this is the mentality of, well, if if Reagan's willing to screw up his own people and screw up his own country that much, <laughs> what is he going to do to me? Right, y- you know. Well, you have so to kind of wonder that. Yeah, it, so there's, it, it's a signal that there's sort of no kindness. It, no kindness, oh, no, yeah. no pat, no... Uh, or no clue. No, yeah, and well, it's just... Because really, he it had nothing to do with foreign policy, and I, I don't know what Scott Walker... Yeah, I mean, I, he just really stumbled on the stage when he's talking about that kind of stuff. Cause, well, that's it. Well, like We talked about that article last time. It's like he's at best a mediocre county executive yeah. in no way capable of handling the mantle of, yeah. of right. President of the United States. Michael or foreign Scott. policy of any Michael kind. Scott. Maybe he could work in a paper company. Yeah. But oh, I'm sure. <laughs> he's got the funding. And that may be the only thing that matters. Yeah, and it does. And it does. So Anyway, sorry. To Again, deep space, it's only return cargo being loads of dung. The deep <laughs> state is behind him. Well, part of the deep state is, to be sure. Right. Yes. So it's um, part of the deep deep state fighting over. You who's... just want to say deep space. That's I know like, you do. I can't space. talk here. You want to say deep space. No, it was just like me saying uh, Henry Ford when I was trying to think of Henry Fonda. When Henry we're talking Ford. about spaghetti yeah. westerns, it's like, well, what fun. is Henry Fonda doing in the old, or Henry Ford doing <laughs> yeah. in the old West? Um, Get off those horses. Look at the Model T. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, come on. Get you want to independent. You want a Tin Lizzie, unless, of course, you're a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any chance to bash Henry Ford? Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't. You know, Henry Ford, though, he always troubles me because, I mean, you know, he was this guy that, that you know, he raised the... The minimum wage to, you know, like five dollars, you know, which is like your racist great grandfather. Exactly. It was <laughs> like, exactly. OK, I get it. You were racist, but you yeah. did have a good car. Wow. You were, this, <laughs> right. you know, great industrialist <laughs> and everything. <laughs> Times are changed. Yeah, it, well, it's like a lot of things. There's a, it's a complex character. There's different things. 
yeah. that he did. But so you know, we've yeah. we've all heard about you know the Patriot Act and drones, and uh, we did a podcast on the NSA and and computer secrecy and so on. <laughs> but uh, this is actually much deeper, and it's it's actually a very big story, and it's very underreported. But I think the hmm. reason for it is is that it's very complicated and it's very entrenched. So. It's not likely you're going to hear a lot about it, but... It's not like someone went out and tried to build a deep state. No. It, it's just... <laughs> no. The word deep state is is just to describe this weird Frankenstein's monster kind I, of I thing. I think it's that, a yeah. weird, it's a weird corporate complacency that's built around our political systems, our financial systems, and our media systems. So yeah. yes. the reason and things... Our military. Are, and the military systems, but the, yeah, the reason things aren't really reported really well is you have this uh, type of you have different mentalities and the different structures yes. that are doing their different things. And when you look at the media, the media is you know all you know if it bleeds, it leads. And a story like yeah. the deep state doesn't bleed; it actually exposes them as yeah. being complicit in part of the problem. So maybe we shouldn't report on that. And I could easily see why places like Viacom and other places are not interested in exposing any of the deep state issues or problems of their corporate Mm -hmm. uh, shareholders. So you you have a lot of organizations that are of a like mind or find their own – can push forth their own agendas based on a single catalyst and overcompensation to that catalyst, in this case 9-11. So, so since 9-11, there have been 1,271 government organizations and 1,931 private companies work on programs related to counterterrorism. So, so think of that. You got classified work. Yes. Classified work. Classified work. That not even the senators and congressmen in charge of them can often know about. No, no. And these, these are, these are. So it's like uh, you know, twelve hundred government organizations and almost two thousand private companies right. that work on counterterrorism, homeland security, and intelligence in about ten thousand locations across the United States, and probably just as many of those around the globe. Right, and this is this is since nine eleven. Uh, it makes you wonder how many guys are paid to listen to Tank Riot just to make sure we don't incite some something or another. Right, you know, and they're probably paid more than you know. It's half of our listeners, <laughs> all of us <laughs> at yeah. this point. They're probably it's, waiting for this episode. They're like, oh, they're yeah. finally getting to us. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You <laughs> it's should about bring, time. You should bring that up, Tor, because there there is something to be said about that. Where many of the people who who are kind of the core of this deep state are more or less underpaid millennials, <laughs> and so and I mean and, that's where we got yeah. Edward Snowden. Yeah, Edward from. Snowden. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. Edward Snowden is a very good example. Example of that. Uh, so there's an estimated 854,000 people, almost a million people, nearly 1.5 times as many people as live in Washington, D.C., hold top secret security clearances. It's just amazing. That, that's that's I just mean, goofy. That should amaze you. And they're wondering why there was an Edward Snowden. I mean, how come there's not like 50 he's, or 100 he's like one Edward in a million. Snowdens? <laughs> the guy's like yeah. one in a million. <laughs> yeah. but, the, but the thing about Snowden, though, is, is that is, is so interesting is that once you get vetted for a security job you can you, it's like this whole it's like okay if you're looking for a job you're going to be looking through these 
bulletins or job listings or put your resume out or, you know, so on and so forth. Once you get vetted for one of these security jobs, it's like this whole other web of of opportunities becomes available to you. And that's really what happened with Snowden. He he got advanced very quickly simply because he had been vetted for this data job that he had had some years ago and he moved up the ranks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's smart so he could and he was, he yeah, was able he, to do the work. He was able to do the work. But what was interesting was is that once you're vetted for this, they don't really like go back and re-vet you. So right. it's kind of like yeah, that's why yeah. you get an Edward Snowden. And in fact, there's probably many more, but there's been lots of legislature laws passed that have taken care of that as well. Whistleblowing is, is kind of a thing of the oh, past in many whistleblowing ways. Whistleblowing has been uh, attacked more under Obama's uh, watch than under oh, any yes. other president. Yes. Yeah, it's terrible. So if you think he's all for free speech, he's not. No. Oh, right. no, no, not by any means. In Washington, in the, in the surrounding area, 33 building complexes for top secret intelligence work are under construction or have been built since September 2001. 33 building complexes. And we're just not talking <laughs> about 33 buildings. We're talking about huge goddamn facilities yeah, is, just in the Washington area. I think that article like, said how many times bigger than the Pentagon? The yeah, three Italy, times bigger than the three Pentagon. Times, yeah. yeah. Together, they occupy the equivalent of almost three Pentagons or 22 U.S. Capitol buildings, about 17 million square feet of space. Uh, Let's see. Analysts who make sense of documents and conversations obtained by foreign and domestic spying share their judgment by publishing 50,000 intelligence reports each year, a volume so large that many are routinely ignored. So, yeah. Really what you're coming down to is they say, well, you know, guys, come on, you know, these people keep us safe and it's a dangerous world out there. And yes, okay, but like with our, you know, Pentagon weapons acquisition program, somebody has got to look at this and rethink it because it's just silly and redundant (laughs) and inefficient and nobody knows what the hell is going on. Right, right. Stop that. Do silly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't allow Monty Python to come in. Right, right, right. Oh, too silly. Well, it's, it's a silly place. We shall not go there. You know, it, it's like the stock market. A lot of times, stock analysts that take in, you know, thousands of variables that they can analyze to figure out which stock is going to, you know, do the best in the market, often they don't do any better. Than the analysts that just use you know a handful of variables. Well, I was going to say now that we're because, getting down to microtransactions, they don't even do that anymore. No, I mean, no. yeah, they push it's, a button it's, to it's, switch the stocks. They're, they're writing a computer, which at, is insane. Well, it there's a tie-in. Yeah. There's a tie-in to the Silicon Valley, which is also able to run those microtransactions, and they're able to help program a lot of that too. So yeah, yeah, it's messed up. I mean, <laughs> right. Uh, if I set up a uh, stock account, I'll have to pay $7 or more per mm-hmm. transaction. Or, or but, call that baby. Get an account with that really smart talking baby. So, right. Yeah, yeah. But it's still, it's gonna, you're going to have to you're pay something per transaction. Right. That would, if, Can you imagine paying a per transaction fee if you were involved in microtransaction stock? Right. <laughs> They're getting it for free somehow. Exactly, that's exactly. my point. So <laughs> you know, if they had to pay $7 a thing, it wouldn't make any sense. So right. That's all messed up. But again, this is kind of part of the deep state. Right, state right. Yes. Because yes, it is. It's, it's, some, it's just this little monster that, that's rigged in a, a way to suck money out of the system mm-hmm. and get it to you know certain areas. That's interesting you say that Tor and and skipping ahead a bit, 
one of the things that these articles mention is is that yes, essentially the relationship between the deep state and government and business and so forth is parasitic. So in some ways, the complete gridlock in Washington has kept further funding from going to the deep state. So in a certain sense, this has been helpful in some ways, <laughs> in a very weird Catch-22 okay, yeah. way. So, yeah, I just recently watched The Zero Theorem by Terry Gilliam, uh-huh. uh, which is – it's not a great movie, but it did remind me of Brazil, which is mm-hmm. a great movie about that kind of um, – An underwatched film. Yeah, he, he loves these kind of existential what is it? – what does it mean? Yeah. Why am I pushing these papers? <laughs> what and, is it all about? You know, yeah. what is it all about? And and really, it, it's about nothing quite often. But right. Uh, right. Uh, a state like this, it's it's very interesting how they're working at odds with each other sometimes in the different groups. And sometimes they're working with each other. But in either way, they're funneling money off the system in a way that is pretty, I guess, pretty I, astounding. I guess what we're trying to say here is that there really doesn't seem to be a unified conspiracy here because for that to occur – there would have to be someone who could actually oversee this monster, and there's almost no way that you can. There's no master puppet master. No, there, no, no, no. There's, no. But there, every corporation there are puppet has masters. There are puppet masters, well, but they don't have control of everything. They have their no. their own little fiefdoms. The, exactly. And, it's, and their it's particular congressman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so even though Congress works very hard to render the executive branch, certainly under Obama, mm-hmm. you know, more or less impotent, um, Obama can liquidate American citizens without due process, detain prisoners indefinitely without Which he does. charge, conduct dragnet surveillance on the American people Which without judicial warrant, and engage in unprecedented, at least since the McCarthy era, again, one of our podcasts. Against federal employees, the so-called insider threat program, which is what has locked down any further right. Snowdens. Mm-hmm. It, but then you have the Republicans who rail against Obama for his Affordable Health Care Act, which is oh, yeah. out there to help the people. Instead, and the Republicans are not going after all these other secret crazy things that Obama's doing. Right. Because they're in on it, too. Exactly. Yeah. So let's just say that most of our listeners are probably pretty politically tied in, and I think probably have an understanding of some of the corporate levels of the problems oh, yes. that we're facing. Well, I just this there's this one uh, line in here that I thought was interesting to bring up in that since 2007, two bridges carrying interstate highways have collapsed due to inadequate maintenance of infrastructure, one killing 13 people. During that same period of time, the government spent $1.7 billion constructing a building in Utah that is the size of 17 football fields, which we, of course, know as the Utah Data Center for the NSA. Yeah, do yeah. we have a term yet above Yadabyte? Is Yadabyte still the top? Yadabyte is still the one, and they had to make that fucker up. Right, yeah. right. So let's, what, what's 1,000 Yadabytes? We can make it up right now. How about a uh, tank riot bite? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> tank yeah. bite. I- I don't think Take that's our, our our branding in. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> can, can a, we can we sponsor a, that number? A tour bite. <laughs> call it a tour bite. <laughs> so, um, can we buy a corporate sponsorship of a number name? So, yeah, <laughs> let's let's get in on this on this, this Taco Bell bite. Yes, <laughs> kids in the future will be counting Coca Cola, Taco Bell. <laughs> 3M. <laughs> hey, how, how many Taco Taco Bell bites is that drive? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got five Cokes in the cloud. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just in case. You know, you know, just in case. Keeps me backed up. 
so the deep state does not consist of the entire government. It's a hybrid of national security and law enforcement agencies, Department of Defense, Department of State, Department of Homeland Security, Central Intelligence, and the Justice Department, and also the Treasury Department because of its jurisdiction over financial flows and enforcement of of international sanction. That's a big connector to the Wall Street connection. And a huge connector to Wall Street, yeah. yes, of course. because and that's, and that's the interesting part of it, because it does not consist only of government agencies. There's, you know, private enterprise is very much involved in it. Silicon Valley is a great example. Now, Silicon Valley's involvement is, is difficult to gauge whether it is the NSA just snooping on the snoopers or they're filing paperwork or they're cooperating freely. I'm guessing that it's probably a combination of the three. Yeah, I mean, uh, Snowden recently leaked uh, some of the some of the documents show that, you know, Apple was completely back ended. And I'm not sure how that is working under the fingerprinting and under the new security systems. I'm mm-hmm. assuming that they don't help. <laughs> Right. I'm assuming that, you know, for the NSA, you're completely exposed online. That's right. So so uh, I'm sure we all remember General Petraeus. I mean, he even has a Roman sounding he name. Does. He yeah. does. You know, it's like Centurion Petraeus. <laughs> it, it always sounded to me like betray us. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. yeah, he's a guy I wouldn't really trust to be no. right behind well, you. Yeah. He, he was, he's a whole I'd bag be like, of oh, I don't know. So, you know, he's he's definitely... Well, you know, that guy got off, right? I mean... Right. Oh, yeah. I went more ways than one, but he <laughs> didn't yes. get prosecuted uh, to the same degree. What a dangerous thing. I mean, only only a general could think, you know, maybe if I bang my biographer, nothing bad will happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good thinking, general. I'm right behind you. Let's run that flag up the I, hill. I think he got to, maybe if I bang my biographer... Like, I don't know that he finished the sentence. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think that he got that far. I think went, that's it. That is a good idea. <laughs> that is the plan. <laughs> Operation Desert Shield. <laughs> oh, so we're at a condom. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> we don't oh. know. We could be going commando. <laughs> so what's interesting about this cooperation is, is that <laughs> there is no overall coordination of right. this in any way, shape, or form. And part of it is because... It's like a disease. It is like a disease. It's like cell yeah. growth. That uh-huh. It's just out of control. Uh, there was one person who said, in the Department of Defense, where more than two-thirds of intelligence programs reside, only a handful of senior officials called super users, which is... An old Unix term, but okay. <laughs> Have the but ability to do it, man. Yeah, to do it. To do get me a sandwich. <laughs> you saw that cartoon, right? Yes. That one. That's a classic. I, I you know, because I was trying to, I was trying to, to to describe to a bunch of Windows guys what what sudo does, and mm-hmm. I found this this cartoon. It's just like two panels, and it, and it's a, and this guy's talking to this character called Sudo. He goes, uh, he goes, hey, make me a sandwich. Nothing. Sudo, make me a sandwich. He comes running ass over with a sandwich. Yeah, it's like, okay, yeah. you get it now? It's Yeah, it's wonderful. I love... Oh, it's, yeah, Sudo's awesome. I love awesome. being super user. <laughs> but only for certain things. <laughs> I have the ability to even... With great power comes great responsibility. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Uncle Ben. <laughs> so, so the super users know have the ability to even know all of the department's activities. But as two of the super users indicated in interviews, there is simply no way they can keep up with the nation's most sensitive work. I'm not going to live long enough to be briefed on anything was how one 
on everything. It was how one super user put it. The other recounted that in his initial briefing, he was escorted into a tiny dark room, which is kind of creepy in and of itself. (laughs) Seated at a small table and told he couldn't take notes. Program after program began flashing on the screen, and he he said, he yelled, stop, in frustration. I wasn't remembering any of it, he said. (laughs) So they're just (laughs) flicking shit up there. And that's it. And so like nobody has and of course every one of them has their own budget line, their own agenda, their own territory, and there's no overarching yeah. organization that has any budgetary or hiring or firing power over them. So it's yeah. it's it's part of why it's probable if you look at some of the analyses of why we didn't catch uh the nine eleven attackers is that there was not good connection between no. the different groups. And this was pre-9-11 when there was many, right. many, many less agencies. Right, right. So mm-hmm. at that time, they, they just weren't communicating. And we think that it was a slip up of intelligence, which is completely not surprising if you look at how these systems are not connected and people no. are not working in, in concert between the FBI and the CIA and the NSA. And, yeah, um, Especially the NSA to the other groups, because the NSA used to be more of an internal. The the NSA benefited hugely from 9-11, too. In fact, you could even argue, would there even be an NSA if there wasn't a 9-11? Well, I mean, an NSA of this current level. But but I don't want to jump to those conspiracy theories and say that they were somehow perpetuating it. Then you become a 9-11 truth. Exactly. And I mean, we're already sounding a little weird, I think, because... Well, this is some deep stuff to be discussing and pointing out yeah. to people that these are real things, yes. not just some kind of crazy ramblings of a tin. And we are all wearing tinfoil hats and underwear. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's not crazy ramblings. It's just uh, these things are very big to try to wrap your head around. And and no one is talking about this in any level of the government. The only thing you get is a he said, she said argument of Obama and Biden versus the Republicans, Harry Reid versus the Republicans in some vague format. And Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of Tea Party this and he said that. And there's a lot of the media focusing on these types of levels of discourse, which don't acknowledge and will not acknowledge. And there's no reason they actually should acknowledge these deeper levels of what's going on. I get the impression if we if we had an official audit of all our uh, secret agencies oh. and all the stuff they were doing, the audit would just come back, holy crap, they're spending a lot of money on this. And that'd be the audit. <laughs> it's just be like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's hand over fist. But but I really want to point out that the, the corporations that own all the news outlets, uh, except for Tank Riot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean... If we were, if we, were if we yeah. were a major threat and if we had millions and millions of, of listeners, I'm sure as shit someone would take notice and shut us down or or take notice yes. and go, let's marginalize or let's ignore them or something. You know, there'd be some way. They're um, just crazy. But yeah. but when you're part of an umbrella corporation like Viacom, you, you don't have a freedom of speech within the corporation. You're going to say certain talking points that the corporation. Yeah, they always can show oh, both yeah. sides. They have the, you know, the. Right wing lunatic, and the guy who's slightly different. But well, reading, not, reading, I mean, they don't. No, no, no. That's the, it. I mean, the, it, they don't show talk about the whole other stuff that reading Mike Lofgren's original article has given me a lot of perspective on why. Okay, 
I know I like Jon Stewart. I like his comedy. I like how he talks about news. I like how he mentions international politics. But it gives me perspective on the fact that that is a Viacom program. It's run on the Comedy Central Network. It is in a 30-minute time slot. It has corporate sponsorships. There are commercial breaks. It is a thing designed to sell you product that you will watch again and again and enjoy. It's not necessarily the be-all and end-all of news or comedy or anything no, yeah and and i just right. it gives me perspective it doesn't mean i like it that much less it just gives me perspective on the fact that it has an agenda and i need to pay attention to is that the agenda that i really want to be invested mm-hmm. in at this time and point and when i see that there are different agendas and they're not all the same and they're not all lined up no no we're but again we're not going down the conspiracy exactly road exactly what we're saying is is that you, you you have this enormous cell growth of counterterrorism, counterinsurgency that is not only wasted money that is not being spent on your children's education or uh, keeping the roads or the you know garbage removal going or hiring more nurses but, or or firemen or policemen or anything. It's going to this shit. But it's more than that, Sputnik, because it goes into Wall Street as well. Oh, exactly. The Treasury Department doesn't regulate Wall Street properly. And Wall Street then, in turn, you know, oils the corporations. It oils the banks. And the banks oil the lobbies. And the lobbyists oil the congressmen. And the congressmen vote according to what the oiling says they should vote. You know, we totally have enough money to pay for all the cool stuff. It's just the money is getting sucked into this, you know, weird little octopus of a contraption. Well, you want to know why we don't have flying cars? I think I know why we don't have flying cars. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Look at the drivers in this country. (laughs) That would be insane. You know, I I have to say that uh, every time I watch Nova on public television and the first thing that comes up in big letters is – Funded in part by the David Koch Foundation. It's just like my asshole just puckers. (laughs) You know, it's like, oh, but yeah, in any case, no, you're right. It's 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 funding. It's a snake eating its its own tail. It's sinister, but it's not sinister. It's kind of interesting because it it is it's horrifying because you really have no influence. It, it, no, it, none whatsoever, <laughs> and and that's what I find so so amazing about this story is that in the end, you're, you're building this deeply embedded plutocracy where you 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 have the one percent getting stronger and stronger and stronger, having more and more and more control. But that's just in the private industry. I mean, we talk about the you know checks and balances of the legislative versus the executive branch, but really in the end, that's just the front. That's just the facade, right? On on the rest of this, well, that's, yeah, the, that's know, the ring of the circus they all like want a, us to pay attention to. It's just right. like a huge negative feedback loop. It, yes, <laughs> yeah. Yes. So things are just, and, and it just grows. And so so let me point out one of the most disturbing aspects of this whole thing. All right, so when the primary rolls around and you have 2016, we're going to have another election roll around. When the last time this happened, you have you know four or five contenders, and they're all vying for the. Democratic nomination, and right. so you've got Obama, you've got Hillary, you've got David, uh, you've got Kucinich, um, Jeb Bush. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about last oh, time. Just a Demo- like, Demo- like you, you've got. Let, let's just pick one party. You've got your. I think Kucinich wasn't he in it last time? I think so. 
Yeah, but he always runs like kind of a this is my fringe point. campaign. This is my point. I want to use him as an example just so when we move forward, people will see the same pattern and just go, oh, he's the Kucinich. He, you know, and then so-and-so is the popular kid and so-and-so is the jock. Sure. And what you're going to have is a fight of who's going to be chosen at the nomination for the Democratic Party. It's like a political breakfast club. It's exactly that. <laughs> and you're going to have the same thing on the Republican Party side. Yeah. Someone's oh. going to make an elephant with a, a pull chain that should have uh, lit up the lamp. Yeah. Sorry, that's a Breakfast Club deep deep trap. Yeah. But the, the point is, the, the really, really strange candidate. I got it, but yeah, you're right. That is a deep trap. So the really, really strange candidate, the Kucinich in, in this uh, example, is not going to stand up to – I would say Elizabeth Warren would be the candidate in the future – Who's not going to stand up because or Bernie Sanders or Bernie Sanders? There you go. Because they're going to they're going to have a backbone and want to do things. And I wondered to myself, was at the time that Obama was running for his presidency, did he have a backbone, or was he ruled out as having a backbone and then allowed to be the nominee? Because I have a feeling that once you make it to that level, there's a selection process. There's a lot of money that goes into that nomination process. And that's where the real horse race probably yeah. is. Oh, yeah. And whoever becomes the nominee, then the, the machine selects you. Yeah, right it's way. selected by the yeah. machine. So you, it, it, it's much like in a card trick when you know what pile you want them to choose. Right. And out of three piles, you kind of keep pushing the card toward them. No, it's a classic yeah. card trick. If, if there's a, if there's three piles of cards, you want them to pick pile number two, and you say point at a pile. And they point at pile number three, you remove it. And then you say, point at a pile. And they point at pile two, you remove pile one. So you give them <laughs> the illusion that they're making the decision. Right. And yeah. It's a classic card trick move. Yeah. And it's the same kind of thing that happens in the nomination process. You are given a candidate who's going to run against the other candidate, either of which would be fine for whatever those establishments are that are choosing those candidates. And I'm not saying that's like a big deep state thing. I just think that it's... Obama was such a disappointment to me in his lack of uh, ability to do the things that he was running on. Mm -hmm. It's very much like a Scott Walker who says nothing about what he's going to run on and then starts destroying everything when he's off in office. Obama said all these wonderful things he wanted to do. He was the pro-privacy candidate. He right. was the anti-establishment, uh, anti-NSA candidate. Uh, if you look back yeah. at his campaign, he was going to do all these things. Yeah. None of them have happened. He pulled a walker in many ways. I mean, he ran yeah. a very vanilla campaign. In fact, you know, gave you these little tastes of saying, you know, we're going to do things really differently. And in fact, then turn around and had an even stronger, more virulent agenda. I, I wouldn't say it's, it's, it's as much as Scott Walker, but pretty damn close. Well, and you hear the same yeah. thing. And I, I've heard this in other other places. The Democrats fear and the Republicans hate. And those are their tactics for creating a really nice yin-yang system where yeah. they're going to just feed each other and everyone will be happy. Because you're going to see, oh, those poor Democrats, they couldn't do anything because they only had 99% of the vote. But right. the Republicans had 1% of the vote and they just filibustered. Right. Oh, we can't do anything because they filibustered. Right. And then when the balance shifts, it's, oh, those Republicans, they just wouldn't let us do anything. Yeah. Right. You, you, know, you know, it doesn't matter what the It's all part are. of the game. Exactly. And I have a... a uh, um, a gripe with the majority of the Democrats. And uh, for whatever reason, I got on a lot of political emailing lists. So I get the political emails and they're like, and they're all the same. It's like, look what the terrible things Republicans are doing now. 
can you give us $5 so we can help and fight against this? They're all campaign contribution begging emails. Right. You know, and I'm sorry, in the long run, that's not going to work. What we need to do is educate the populace. We right. need to explain the issues and explain why. But you're not. But, you're, 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 you're not going to stop that with, with Soviet level disinformation. It doesn't on 24/7 matter. It does networks. not matter. But Therein lies the problem. At some point, <laughs> you have to make the change and, and say, you know, okay. okay, right now we're doing this podcast. We're talking about it. So that's one little step. The d- Democrats, the uh, you know Greens, whoever running for office. You have to work hard to inform your voter because we have an uninformed voter issue and you can't just beg for money and assume the voter knows what the heck is going on because they don't. But I don't think the voter – and I'm just saying from my own perspective, I do not believe that the voter has a choice in these issues. Once you get to the final candidates, I don't believe your voter right. has but, Well, for president, yes, but for uh, – At the local at, level. At the local levels. And I mean it's all the local levels. Everyone's asking for money like this and not no, really explaining the too. issues. Citizens United has taken another uh, uh, step forward into corporate financing and eventually at the local level you will also not yeah. have a choice. But currently you are still selecting your local <laughs> governor well, right. with, with and the, your local – With the Supreme Court though mm-hmm. – essentially equating money with free speech or you know campaign contributions that that's pretty much blown anything out the window if 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 to run for president yeah. you've got to you know it's like when i was a kid it was also like, anybody can grow up to be president blah, 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 blah. actually what they always said is any little boy can grow up to be president they <laughs> yeah. never said any little girl <laughs> nice or anything no seriously sorry they did. hillary <laughs> no but has but anyone see, told her that yet <laughs> That's the thing. You got to raise pretty much a, a billion dollars in order to make a, a real run for right. the presidency, and there's not a lot of people that are going to gain that kind of influence. Right, without right. Huge... But but just knowing that that's the number you got to make, those corporations and those contributors, mm. they they know that oh, I'm giving you money or I'm not giving you money. You're yeah. either going to be the nominee or you're not. You're going to drop out if you don't get the money. So I'm funneling I... the money away from Elizabeth Warren towards someone who's going to be pro everything that I care about from yeah. those contributions. You know, contributors' perspective. To me, like you were talking about the, you know, when you reach this certain level and they kind of decide, you know, who's who's going to be yeah. this or that or another thing. To me, in the last thirty years, well, the only difference between the last thirty years and the last two hundred and some years is that in the last two hundred some years, you know, you you had to be a tall, uh, white, Christian married man, you know, in order to be president, basically. That was there it. was at least one bachelor in there. Right? There was one bachelor president, and yeah. we're not going to talk about him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think it was Buchanan, wasn't it? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. A nerd homosexual. <clears throat> no, no. He was the bachelor president, though. And he's, yeah. always, he's always described as very fastidious and very neat. Ah, I think that's uh. histori- his, his historian's way of saying, we think he was a big fruit. Yeah, I'm sure. The next president appreciated that the White House was in good condition. That's right. But no, um, in in any case, uh, what I was going to say is is that so so in the last thirty years, the only difference has been to me, you're either part of a political dynasty, the Bushes or the Clintons. Oh, you went to Harvard or Yale, or Harvard or Yale. That's <laughs> right. that's another big one. I mean, I think the only yeah. person, winner or loser, who hasn't attended Harvard or Yale was McCain. 
Well, yeah. That's because the angry little yellow men were beating him. So wait, are you <laughs> saying someone who dropped out of Marquette can't get be president? No. Because Marquette is <laughs> no. not Harvard or Yale? No, he is not. <laughs> no, it's not even close to Harvard or Yale. <laughs> <laughs> They're both educational institutions. Yeah, they got a good basketball team, though. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, so I am prematurely completely counting Scott Walker out of the presidential election. Yeah. But, but he'd make a good Sarah Palin for the Republican ticket. Like he'd be oh, yeah. the Tea Party Sarah Palin. I can see, I can see Russia from my house. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I could see him running on tool. the ticket as a as a, a vice presidential candidate. But, but wow. the, the leading contenders are going to probably come down to Hillary Clinton and Jeb Bush. And again, you're getting down to political dynasties. Plus, with Hillary yeah. Clinton, you've got the symbol. Of the mm-hmm. first woman president. Right. And let's be honest, that was yeah. a large attraction for Obama. Mm-hmm. Sure. He, he was well-spoken. He wasn't an idiot. He's black. He's young. He you promised know. some good things, but, well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But, I mean, he, he was like the anti-Bush, but then turned out to be Bush plus. Yeah. And then now you've got, like, Jeb Bush and Hillary Clinton running. It's like, if there's one thing that this country should never have as political dynasties— I know we've had them, but I don't think they're fucking good ideas. I think they smack of monarchy in such a you know ugly way. Yeah, but I guess I guess we'll cross the road when we get there. I mean, okay, so so you want to take a Dennis Kucinich? Do I like what Dennis Kucinich says? Yes. Does the one percent? No. Does he look like Bilbo Baggins? Yes. So the electorate won't vote for him. But but I'm just saying that is my point. It's Mm -hmm. not about the electorate. It's about who gets to choose the nominee, who gets to be the candidate, because the candidate needs to be pro one percent, or the candidate needs to be pro the corporate interests. So the candidate there at that point, at the nomination point. That's the important part. If not the, not the actual election. It's not going to be the 1% against the no, populace. But That's the, some bullshit, the bullshit that is, people think. You know, that is the smoke-filled exactly. rooms. And, exactly. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're right. Uh, the corporations, the big money could have dropped behind Dennis Kucinich, and then he would have been the nominee. But they didn't. Then they won't. Uh, well, they won't. No. But, I, I mean, if I'm the, just if saying they you're reasonable. Dropped... You're Feingold. You're Warren. You're you're reasonable person right. who you think has morals. Yeah. Uh, they're if not you drop a billion be... dollars on them, they win. Yeah, but if no you one's going to drop. Don't. No one's going to drop a yeah. billion dollars on those candidates. Right. That's it. Well, that's it exactly. Because the people who have that kind of money are right. never going to invest in somebody who right. says, "Hey, you know what we should do?" <laughs> you know, and yeah, uh-huh. they're they're not going. Yeah, Americans be crazy to run. Americans for, will vote for the pe- pe- person the TV tells them to vote for. But yeah. toward, but toward, remember, yeah, yeah, and and that's the point. But they won't that, even get to the TV until they're vetted. Until they're vetted. By Whoever. the interest of but the see, deep state. But see, now we're kind of right. getting back into the Illuminati thing again, too. I don't believe it's Illuminati. I just think that there's no, a lot right. of money. No, there's a right. lot of money that goes That's into good. that, and that money is decided not yeah, by the it, populace. That no, money no, is decided. Speaking of money, what, what by the money interests. really is now is power. So the more money yeah. you have, the more power you have because you can buy more candidates and you can buy candidates for bigger offices. That's true, too. So, which brings us back to Vikings. That's the way leaders were chosen. It, uh, you know, if we look at the Vikings TV show, th- you know, that's what it's all it was about. Who's fairly Klingon. But in the case of Ragnar <laughs> Rothbrook, he is the smartest. If you want anyone blood-winged, I'm here for you. Right. Yeah. In a way, he is the smartest. <laughs> I don't cry out. You won't go but, to Valhalla. <laughs> so he outsmarted him. But it's, it's power plays. That are are getting yeah. the, getting the power. The politics of that is fascinating because the Vikings were really the last great pagan peoples to to 
you know, have to deal with Western Europe, you know, Western Christian Europe. And, but what was, but what's interesting about that is that the Vikings were so good at assimilation that they just became the Normans, the Russians, the, yeah, you yeah. know, that, 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 yeah, once you did give them like, so, so now like in this, uh, you know, in, in, in this season, it's like, okay, they're in Wessex and they, mm-hmm. they've got some farmland and everything. Well, guess fucking what? <laughs> Wessex and York and all that are so goddamn Scandinavian. It's not even funny. <laughs> did you hear about the yeah. extroverted Norwegian? No. He spent all the time looking at your shoes instead of his. <laughs> <laughs> God. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. That's an awesome one, though. Yeah. I love my wife so much. I almost told her. I mean, that's another. Those are great Norwegian jokes. They really yeah. are. Yeah. So, so getting back to some of the stats on the deep state, there's been at least 263 organizations that have been created or reorganized as a response to 9-11. Each has required more people, and those people have required more administrative logistic support. Phone operators, secretaries, librarians, architects, carpenters, construction workers, air conditioning mechanics, and because of where they work, even janitors with top secret clearances. <laughs> so again, we said the first problem was is that Congress did not give the okay, so so there is an office that was created which is again expanding exponentially. The office of the Director of National Intelligence, ODNI. A little bit switch, Odin. No, <laughs> coincidence? I don't think so. No, it's a direct tie into the All Father. Notice the one eye and the symbol on the pyramid on the dollar bill. It's a reference to Odin. Didn't you love that though? When they were talking to the monk, and he was saying, "Well, who do you love more?" And he was talking about Odin, and he was talking about Jesus at the same time. Right. He says, "You know, I really, actually, I love them both." I love how they kind of flip in and out of like Old Norse and Middle English. It got a little weird because yeah. then they would switch from Middle English to Old Norse. They oh, now you can speak the my language. Fake language like, was Why back the and forth. fuck did you do I'm that? I'm like, thank yeah. God, <laughs> thank God they did that. What did, you, did you get like Rosetta Stone for uh-huh. my, fa- my favorite thing to make fun of is the the seer guy. Oh, oh, I'm sitting in my sorry. creepy place. And yeah. I have creepy black lipstick and my eyes are all fucked up. Uh, let me think yeah. of something creepy to say so yeah. that I can stay here and be fed. I'm touching bones <laughs> and I'm creepy. <laughs> it's like kind of like um, the uh, Dark Ages version of uh, the Long Island. Uh, right. I'm, like, like, I'm like Darth Maul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I talk. It's like, did, did you do that to yourself or... How the hell did this happen? Oh my god, have you seen the Jack and Triumph show? Have you watched that? Yes. Pretty weird. It is pretty, pretty weird. weird. They're they're a great couple though. <laughs> so, so Odin does not have any budgetary control over any of these organizations. So again, Remember that, you know, we're not just saying, oh, well, 263, that doesn't seem like so much. It's like, no, but every one of these is probably a much bigger organization than the right. one you work for. So, yeah, it's it's just unbelievable. And so nobody knows. So, so you have to try to figure now. You, you say, well, our job is to protect America. Okay, we have all these organizations now. We all have separate agendas. We all have separate budgetary lines. And we all have separate intelligence sources. So how is that coordinated? Who gets to vet or see? Like one of the things that was a big deal during uh, before Persian Gulf 2. Electric Boogaloo. 
Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Sorry, I have to was, do that every um, time. Was um, when uh, Cheney and Bush and the whole Hee Haw gang said, "Hey, just give us the raw intelligence. You don't, you don't have to, you don't have to look at it or anything." Well, raw intelligence is like a fucking Rorschach inkblot mm-hmm. test. You can look, you can make out of it whatever you want to. But you yeah. have to have experienced people looking at it and saying, oh, okay. You got to have your Jack Ryans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. We, did, we didn't talk We didn't talk about, <laughs> come on, we have to do one more. But first, we, okay. didn't, yeah. we didn't talk about Han got Solo. got a bad feeling about oh. this. Cracking up yeah. his plane. I hear he was flying solo. Chewie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't in the plane. <laughs> yeah, man, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Apparently he's he doing okay though, right? Yeah. Right. So he's actually no, a pretty good pilot. Everyone yeah. says, "Well, he's crashed three times." And it's like, well, yeah, because he's flown for a lot of years, <laughs> and you know, a helicopter is a pretty easy thing to crash. I mean, in every case, it was mechanical failure, and he actually landed it. Without... But this was an airplane this time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was an old World War II trainer. Yeah. Jeez. I don't know what the fuck he was doing in that. I have no idea, but. Yeah, those, those crashes are scary because they get your spine so bad, and and I just. When I heard it, I was like, oh, no. And then I heard he was okay, and I was like, okay, good. He's a tough old bird. You got to give him that. Yeah, he is. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. is. Good pilot. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so glad he's still around. He will He will have a role in... Um, oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Episode you know, 7. Star Wars. Yeah, the... 7. Force Unleashed. The but, Force is Morning One. But we need him around for uh, episode <laughs> 8 and 9. <laughs> the magic reach around. <laughs> All right, you fuckers tell me what you think of what J.J. Abrams does to Star Wars. There better be less lens flare. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm just just hoping for less lens flare. You better not use a brewery for an engine room. I mean, come on. (laughs) But it worked so well. It it did, except when you live in Wisconsin, it was like obvious right from the beginning. It was like, that looks like a brewery. (laughs) That's the wart cave. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Is that the wart boil? Yeah. (laughs) All right, so... So the first problem is, of course, no budget. Odin has no budgetary control. Mm-hmm. Second problem <laughs> is, even Odin. before the first director, is completely Ambassador John Negroponte. I totally want that name, <laughs> John D. Negroponte. I use that at every hotel I go to. <laughs> Please call me. What's your name? Negroponte. Ambassador Negroponte. <laughs> Ambassador <laughs> Negroponte. Didi. Didi. <laughs> <laughs> my nipples are so hard for Spectre, and I have to yeah, wait until okay. Thanksgiving. Fuck. <laughs> it was on the job. The turf battles began. The Defense Department shifted billions of dollars out of one budget and into another so that Odin couldn't touch it. So that these, he, Odin doesn't have budgetary control, but these fuckers do. Yeah. So they salted it all away. According to two senior officials who watched the process... The CIA reclassified some of its most sensitive information at a higher level so the National Counterterrorism Center staff, part of Odin, would not be allowed to see it, said former intelligence officers involved. So these fuckers are hiding things from one another and then taking money out of the kitty. But if you know, you know, in state politics, we see that. We see that at the Department of Health. You see that at, you know, Department of Administration, DOA. Agreed. It's nothing new under the sun. It's nothing new, but it's huge. These people, yeah, it's huge. Right. Plus, they're sucking all this money that could be used for shit that would actually benefit us and our families. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And they're not keeping us one bit safer. In fact, there's every indication 
we're a lot less safe because of this clusterfuck. Right. And and that's right. really what they should call the office, clusterfuck <laughs> Cluster instead of fuck. Odin. Uh-huh. We could probably make up a good acronym for that, too. Dee-dee. Dee-dee. How safe are we if the bridge falls out from under us? You know? That's right. Oh, here's, here's a good one. I, I think you gentlemen will like this. The National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, which analyzes images and mapping data of the Earth's geography... The National Geospatial Intelligence Agency is 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 funny because they're like one of these groups. Because like you kind of figure it's like, well, doesn't the fucking NSA do that? Don't they handle the satellites and shit too? Oh no 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 no. <laughs> There's an organization for everything, every little niche. This sounds so, like actually something useful. That so they just <laughs> make you, the maps. So you would think. Oh. So now the National mm-hmm. Geospatial Intelligence Agency. Now here's two related news stories that I know of for this group. One was that in New York. They wanted to do an electrical inspection of this building. Nobody knew who owned the building or who built the building, and they couldn't get access. Is it that one from Ghostbusters? (laughs) Kind (laughs) of. They called it the stealth building because they said, well, while the fuck? It was the National Geospatial. (laughs) They couldn't get clearance into it. They just built this fucker, and everybody just said, okay, okay, okay. Second item. One a gentleman from the National Geospatial Agency got liquored up one night, took his Radio Shack drone and oh, flew it yeah, onto the fucking White House him. lawn. Oh, he was from that. That's that right. Guy. As he's <laughs> flying drones all day, he got a little bored, had a few, and he said, "Hey, I wonder what's going on at the White House." <laughs> wow. Yeah, uh. and he fucking crashes it on the White House lawn. Nobody knew shit about it. Well, he sobered up enough to figure, I better cop to this now. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of feel bad for him. It's kind of what I do anyways, <laughs> Mr. President. Just thought I'd try out. It's like, yeah, that was just a security check. Yeah, yeah you're going to yeah. have to. Uh... That's, that's all I was doing. So um, a lot of, so what you were saying before, uh, Taurus, like among the most important people are the low-paid employees carrying their lunches to work to save money? They are analysts, the twenty to thirty-year-olds making forty-one to sixty-five thousand dollars a year, whose job is at the core of everything top-secret America tries to do. So none of this shit is online. None of it is coordinated. No budgetary control. They produce mountains of information, hard copy, and there's nobody to oversee any of it. I found it really hard to find uh, mapping. Uh, you know, I was looking for bureaucratic mapping of like Homeland Security to this, to that, to that. To just find who oversees what because I was hoping maybe there'd be a chart of like yeah. some of them. No, no. It's it's just almost impossible to find. Actually, in the, in the um, uh, uh, Top yeah. Secret America, the Washington Post, yeah. they were able to – it's it's the most amazing graphic I've ever yeah. seen where you mouse over and you can actually see all the different connections between the various agencies and so on. I tried to do that, but I was on my phone and I could not do that. So yeah, but, yeah, I, I had trouble getting it to work. But that's just what they could find in public right. domain. So, so – Yeah. Okay. We got all these organizations, yet – Still, every single day, people are sent like hundreds, thousands of emails that have malware in them, and they can't stop that. No. Well, and they, and they go on to say that one... actually they might be doing that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, have no... you heard of the hard drive infections? Yeah, like where they they grab bad sectors and they use them for their virusware, which really? is actually really oh, awesome. Oh my thinking. god, that's pretty wow. fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. 
So a lot of times the secrecy is also used to cover up ineffective programs as well. So you can bury anything or magnify anything just because of the utter confusion and and, and any lack of organization or oversight or communication. So in what way is this increasing our security and billions of dollars is just going out into this? So Yeah, it's like analysis paralysis. Very well said. Nice. Yeah. That's that's exactly it. I, that's I mean, why I was trying to say really before, it. but with more words. <laughs> no, well, you don't have to because that that really truly says it all. I mean, yeah. it's so five miles southeast of the White House, the Department of Homeland Security has broken ground for its new headquarters to be shared with the Coast Guard. DHS, in existence for only seven years, already has its own special access programs, its own research arm its own command center, its own fleet of armored cars, and its own 23,000-person workforce, the third largest after the Departments of Defense and Veterans Affairs. And remember, Veterans Affairs are the ones where, you know, we put all our, you know, magnetic ribbons on cars and everything, and we try to remember wounded warriors and so forth. But these fuckers are still using paper files. In fact, there are floors that are ready to give in Veterans Affairs because of the, you know. Yeah, and Veterans... Affairs might be one of the biggest departments, but they are underfunded because they're not oh, properly serving the d- veterans right now. There, no. there are major gaps. Well, if if you go, it's because we have this freaking war. Well, perpetual we, war again, yeah, like Orwell, so when we you have a veterans war. all over the place that we have, that we should rightly take care of, but. Oceania has always yeah. been at war with East Asia. Always war. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. You know. You know what I heard. This is not an original thought, but when someone described this, they said that. It's less like Orwell and more like Kafka. <laughs> and, well, you know that's that's very yeah, true because it's it's surreal to to the point of absurdity. Right, right, and that's why I thought of Brazil earlier because that's the kind of Kafka esque mess that it really represents in my mind. Oh yeah, the, and here's here's just I, I just wanted to maybe finish up with some of the tidbits from the Anatomy of the Deep, Deep State article by Mike Lofgren. Where he's and, and this sort of touches on something that, that you were talking about earlier, Victor, is 25 years ago, the sociologist Robert Nisbet described the phenomenon as the attribute of no fault. Presidents, secretaries, and generals and admirals in America seemingly subscribe to the doctrine that no fault ever attaches to policy and operations. This is... Hmm. This, no-fault conviction prevents them from taking too seriously such notorious follow-ups as Desert Desert One, Granada, Lebanon, and now the Persian Gulf. To this list, we might add 9-11, Iraq, Afghanistan, and Libya. Right. And I, I think we have to throw in Syria now, too. If you think about it, yeah. like, has anyone held Colin Powell's feet to the fire over oh. the vial that he held in front of the UN? No. No, no they haven't. But in very recent, what, a week ago, George W. Bush canceled a trip to Switzerland for fears of being tried uh, for war crimes, right. for wow. torturing. So, I mean, this this might be something that other countries could help the uh, United States with. I just don't know how far the deep state – because the deep state is itself an international being if it is – Oh yeah, it's not. It's, it's groupthink at its worst, right? But but what I want to yeah. say is, when you have corporations, they're international. They're boundless by yeah. these kinds. Yes, of yes. to yes. a greater or le- lesser extent, right. this is true in all countries. Right. Yes. So so there's some influence. more than other, there's others. There's influence in, in a lot of directions. But but again, we're not saying that it's a, a monolith that is uh, all connected. No, no. But I want to say that there are influences, and there could be internal influences and in types of. 
mechanics that are working like this in other countries as well, besides Turkey and the United States, which are oh, the yeah. ones that I'm very well... It's just that we, we have all this treasure to throw into it. Right. And like I say, that's why when you hear, well, we don't have any money for these public schools and, and we don't want to do this, and we don't want to do that, and your highways are falling apart and so on, that's because this money, I mean, to a large part, is being funneled around and in this endless shell game of crap. and Well, they also want yeah. to perpetuate the myth that there is no money in America. They right. want to perpetuate the myth right. that we do not have funds for things that are no. frivolous, so like roads or bridges. or right. they, want, they do want to dismantle things like Social Security. Right. Medicare, Medicaid, and Medicare don't Medicaid. need that, because can't that's afford just, that. They yeah. might not want to attack them directly, but indirect Eventually attacks say, work Well, great. we can't afford it anymore. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, bye-bye. Yeah, so... He goes on to say that the attitude of many members of Congress towards Wall Street was memorably expressed by Representative Spencer Bacchus, Republican, Alabama, the incoming chairman of the House Financial Services Committee in 2010. In Washington, the view is that the banks are to be regulated, and my view is that Washington and the regulators are there to serve the banks. This is the head of the Financial Committee. Boom. Well, yeah. they are too big to fail. They are too big to fail. <laughs> Except guess what? They can Right. Yeah. Well, I remember when that happened that we were all hoping that there would be some move by the Treasury Department and crank Obama's up, people to uh, crank actually – Crank up regulation, yeah. Well, yeah, to crank up regulation and hold them accountable. It's just not happened at yeah, all. A few token efforts, but – No, they, they, were, yeah. they weren't even token. <laughs> they weren't. Yeah. They weren't. So, and in, then in, in this, I love this one. In recent months, the American public has seen a vivid example of a deep state operative marketing his ideology under the banner of pragmatism. Former Secretary of Defense Robert Gates. What a douche. I mean, we could do, we <laughs> could do right a there. douche. Yeah, we could totally do a douche episode on Bob Gates. A one t- I can call him Bob because we went to You're Harvard on a first together. Basis. Yeah. Well, we did. We went <laughs> first term basis. We got our masters at Yale. Oh yeah! Wow. S- we were both in uh, the Skullfuckers Society. No, Skull and Bones. Skull and Bones. Yeah. <laughs> Skullfuckers is a different society. Skullfuckers is closer to the truth. Though. No, no, no. <laughs> hey, man! Everything the Skullfuckers did, I was okay with. Um, yeah. <laughs> Skull and Bones. I had more problems with yeah. them. It's a little bit too fratty to they me. They were a lot of fun. A one-time career CIA officer and deeply political Bush family retainer. Retainer. I mean, that's just like like the malformed creature in uh, the 300. <laughs> yes, master. <laughs> Has camouflaged his... Retro- Igor! <laughs> Isn't it Igor? Igor. Has camouflaged his retrospective defense of military escalations that have brought us nothing but casualties and fiscal grief as the straight-from-the-shoulder memoir from a plain-spoken son of Kansas who disdains Washington and its politicians. So, yeah, this this guy is just a horse ass. Meanwhile, the U.S. government took the lead in restoring Baghdad's sewer system at a cost of $7 billion. So, yeah. That's that's why there is no money in America. It's a it's a pretty amazing dollar amount. I mean, yeah, there's amazing dollar amounts all around. And uh, mm-hmm. Mike Lofgren's original article is fascinating. He's written books actually beyond yes. this. And um, and I've started reading one of them. And I have to say, he's he's a very good writer, yeah. and he really expresses this information from an insider's point of view, but yet can pull himself back away and say, okay. Does this make sense to you? Because I did it for 28 years and I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell anymore. 
Well, yeah, the group think of, of being involved in these kind of systems has got to be crazy. I mean, even reading about this, it's just it's very hard to take in in one fell swoop, which is why it's not. I, I mean, another reason why I mean, let's let's say let's say that that uh, CNN or MSNBC or somebody said, you know, by God, we're going to really dig into the deep state. We're going to we're going to really look at this. People would be turning off in droves because, again, it's right. deeply complicated. It's there highly entrenched. They've turned off in droves. They're not. No one's listening to this podcast no. anymore. No, no, yeah. everyone's already <laughs> left. It's just us, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah. that's fine uh, too. Yeah. But but it's interesting because I, you know, when we started I talking think the about the idea, guy's still listening. Oh yeah, he they're, has there. To. they're there. They're yeah. there. In, in yeah. case we say any code words, forty three, or any like <laughs> weird numbers to twenty two, or or disclosed anything forty five that might include information that they need to thirty two keep track of sorry i just watched uh some saturday night live <laughs> <laughs> i would like to think that there's at least some small fraction of a yada bite of tank riots uh, so. in there but but i, I really Utah. like i really like the article and i really liked uh the other article uh, top secret america is really great but mike mike lofgren is the name you really want to look in who started this yeah. all back in 2011 where he first used the term deep state which i think best explains what's happening in america because Mm -hmm. i think that if you don't use a term or the the idea of the deep state in discussions about politics or government or corporate empowerment in america i think you're missing out on an opportunity and i I think deep state is a term that should be more accepted widely and used more widely not as conspiracy theory but as actual uh a way that our society is currently operating and Yes, our government is probably leaning a little more toward a plutocracy. It's not even oligarchy anymore. I think it's leaning more toward plutocracy. Plutocracy, with, most uh, definitely. Sprinklings of capitalism and oh, the <laughs> democracy. The capitalism a... is definitely there, but it's it's actually not even good capitalism. It's just like if you've got a handful of people that own everything, then how is that working? Yeah. Can and shut we, down or turn off things. Well, no, it's working very well. Those with the capital get to rule. That's, <laughs> that's the whole point. Like, is that, is a is that what Adam intended? The, the more shit, the more no. bread you have, the less shit you have to eat. <laughs> no, Adam Smith. That, that's a whole other thing. He actually was advocating something that worked. We're talking about. I've read American Adam Smith, cap- and I got to say, yes, I agree completely. Adam yeah. Smith had a very different view of capitalism than what we're talking about and now. And of teapots, the guy yeah. was an interesting dude. Yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was a very interesting <laughs> he dude. He was an interesting dude. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. it's it's not like we're saying, oh, yeah, capitalism is bad, corporations are bad, blah, 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 blah. No, the point is... Well, no, they, they're looking out for their own self-interests. They are, but but they have this almost perfect vehicle to just, you know, funnel money indefinitely. Yeah, it's it's that, like having a neighbor that, who's got tons of money and can just throw it all into attacking whatever the fuck he wants. Mm-hmm. And that neighbor could be really fucking annoying right. if they're trying to build a swimming pool in your yard, you know? And I'm really paranoid, Rob Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, no, that's it's true. I mean, because again, making the the uh, comparison to, to 4th century Rome, you, you, you have... You know, incredible expenditures, inefficient, completely self-involved, not thinking of the na- uh, of national interests or any kind of future or anything, 
And, you know, the center can't hold. It just collapses in on itself. And after a while, I mean, you you have to wonder what the place of America is in the world Are anymore. they trying to create a Thunderdome? Because that's how you get a Thunderdome. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 you know but, I mean? but, but may I say I'm a bit excited about Fury Road. Oh, yeah, me too, me too. <laughs> I was actually thinking the other day it'd be really fun if they, uh, after Fury Road... What if they did zombies in the Mad Max world? That'd be kind of fun. I don't know. Zombies seem to be almost like I think people are. I mean, you can you can do like one zombie franchise at a time. If there's too many zombies, all right, then then people start to get weird. We're getting there. <laughs> I mean, there, there's uh, there's a lot of ads for new zombie stuff coming out, so we might be no. We, that's we true. Might, we might be getting to that saturation all right. point. All yeah. Right. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I have to move on to something else like... I don't know. I don't know what. what whatever's. <laughs> Goblins. <laughs> Goblins. Well, I mean, we covered that in... Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trolls 2. Uh-huh. <laughs> which has nothing to fucking do with Trolls, Trolls whatsoever. <laughs> so, if you have some thoughts about the deep state or what Think we we're complete lunatics talked or... about tonight, yeah, we're not wearing foil hats. We really aren't, and we're not reversing any of our positions from previous podcasts. These are real issues, and what can be done about it? I don't know. I mean, kind of like we were talking before about the shooting. The protests are fine in what people want to do to express themselves, but what effect is it truly? having in the end what it comes down to is given the effects of the deep state given the effects of the militarization of the police given all of these things given uh money equals free speech and any kind of real influence going out of anybody's hands what can be done let us know at feedback at tankerhead.com i i I think it's time bit by bit we got to show up we got to, you know, make the statements. We got to figure out efficient ways to do that because you can get burned out trying to advocate your position. But if you're just standing on the corner waving a sign and nobody cares, it's not getting anything done. No. Oh, oh, but- so, so you, <clears throat> you don't keep doing the same thing if it doesn't work, but, so- but you move on to the next thing and, and you keep. We keep working at it, and we organize and we talk to each other. We work on educating each other. And we ask our representatives in government that instead of asking for contributions all the time, it would be helpful if they tried to educate the populace and actually educate themselves would be nice. It would be wonder, you know, to me, I've always kind of advocated a kind of a stance against 24-7 news. I mean, to me... We've talked yeah. we've talked a lot about both on the podcast and off the podcast about the effects of social networking and and so on. And I, I think that if we like maybe chose the context of our information retrieval more carefully, if we demanded more context to our information retrieval. I mean, it's it's good that we do it on our own and we have to do that in order to keep the discussion even alive you're or still even... not living in a vacuum and you're still you're still doing content resourcing generally on the internet and you're still ending up with sites that are run in general by larger media corporations it's harder to find media that's, no, that's not true. tied into uh larger corporations that is 
uh, doing in-depth reporting. Like even the Atlantic, they're a great source of uh, they're a great resource for news, but mm-hmm. they're they're a large group and and they have their own funding. You know, mm-hmm. in a way that I trust them. They're they're a good media outlet. Same with, in some ways, I trust Salon in the same way. I mean. Mm-hmm. There's media outlets that I trust, and there's media outlets that I know are grinding an axe or, or pointing the conversation in a certain direction. Yeah, you kind of but push you, away from But you have to understand that they all have an angle. Yeah, you have and to you have understand to, the bias. Yeah. If you can filter that out, that's fine, because you're still getting some information. Right. But the point is— You're not getting the—you're not getting the entire— no. And I don't, I don't have to look to a major news organization to do that. But I'm just saying is that if we maybe call them to task and said, mm-hmm. "Look, can we just maybe go back to an hour of news a day? Uh, maybe you know, yeah. having those specials on the weekend where they did investigative journalism. I mean, I know that sounds really stupid, and I know it sounds old fashioned, but when I was a kid, right. those were the people like. For instance, when Deep content re- requires research and time and yeah. right. and, and things like uh, CNN's coverage of the bridge in Selma, uh, they weren't doing deep content time. They were doing cheap and easy and got a drone and then they talked about their drone. I yeah. mean, that's easy when you when you want to just yeah. fill time and you have to fill time. That's right. cheap and easy. That's the way it's done. Doing a, a long, uh, in-depth story. That's old school reporting, and that's rarely done. No, it is yeah. rarely done, but I, I guess that's what what I'm saying is is that um, it's long form journalism, and it's yeah. it's what we we need long form video j- journalism, which would be really cool to see yeah. make a comeback. I, I mean, there I are, love the idea. There are some good documentaries out there. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. the kind of thing that needs to be encouraged. Plus, yes. you know, well researched books. Yes. No, the, you know, instead of the That's very true. the two paragraph but, article, you but know, I'm, read I'm talking a book. about your your everyday. Now, I'm not saying okay, yeah. you, you you know, oh, Sputnik you're saying we should go back to the newspaper or whatever. No, no, well, cuz the newspapers lied too. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Miscada. 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 John Oliver. Like long form yeah. uh HBO, I mean, he's able to do 15 minute segments on things. Where he can actually make fun of things and and go into and depth in things and inform and you in on depth. the issues. John I, Oliver, to me, is, yeah. John Oliver last week tonight is is last one of the, week tonight or last week tonight is one of the best examples of where they where John Stewart and Stephen Colbert right. started. He's taking it to that next level where he's saying, yes, you can have the satire, you can have the humor, but you can also be very informed and get a whole context out of that. And I think that's wonderful. I mean, the the thing is, what I'm trying to say is, is that uh, 24-7 corporate news coverage is anti-Orwellian, but it it serves the same goal. So in 1984... Big Brother just lied, just kept remanufacturing and restructuring the past. Whereas now, it's not like you have less information, and you had this one news source. Here, it's like you have many, but you still have just one news source, and it just is so confusing and so jumbled and so cheap in in many ways, like you were saying about the Selma Bridge, that it it achieves almost a a better result where, you know, you just walk away kind of confused and frustrated and pissed off. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? It it means there doesn't have to be one way to do Orwell. You can do Orwell in many you, different ways. You can do Orwell by by giving too much. But you can have so many different flavors because you you do have the Orwellian Fox News flavor. Yes, which is pitching you Pure a story propaganda, and it's pitching, 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 pitching. Yeah. But but then there's propaganda from MSNBC the same way. Oh yes, pitching a different story. 
and they definitely have an angle and it may be seen by the you know more democratic as more of a truthy angle but it is a fucking angle itself and they're pitching it 24 7 and cnn you know man i don't even know sometimes what their angle is but I think their angle is just I don't think confusion. They do either. And yeah, I think that's they, right. I think I think you guys are both right. I think it's a confusion angle of, hey, look, we got technology. We're newsier. And that's their angle. They're just trying right. to sell ads. We're newsier and we're selling ads. So but but you're right. It's confusion. And it doesn't have to be just propaganda or rewriting the past. Orwell can happen in lots of different ways. That's right. And mm. and the fact that, you know, okay, we're keeping you safe by doing all these secret things. Well, come on. You don't <laughs> You're pissing down my back and you're trying to sell me an umbrella, you know, and that's yeah. this is ridiculous. I mean, if, if you tell me that you can't possibly fund this public school or you can't fund this program or you can't do any of these things because, well, we just don't have the money because we're not getting it from Washington and we don't want to raise your taxes and blah, blah, blah. Yet. Yet there are billions of these dollars to be squandered on on spying on your own people. I mean, how how is this not the 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 paranoid insular destruction that you saw in fourth century Rome, leading to the Dark Ages? Well, I mean, like, not to yeah. say that we're like the leading light in the world because we're not by any stretch. But, but just but, keep in mind, like uh, democracies, like look at Athens, and you had. Uh, the rich were – they were charged more to live in the society. It, yeah. Even when they protested, it was yeah. – no, no, no. It's because you make more and you have the safety of Athens. Yeah. You know, you're not living in the forest. You have the safety of Athens. So that's why you pay more. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, they had lots where your children's jobs would be decided by lot. And we don't have that. We've mm-hmm. got – like you're talking about, we've got – these dynasties and the rich have their dynasties and they're using estate taxes to pass them down. They're using, you know, they don't pay income tax. Are you fucking no. kidding me? No. We talk about the income tax rate being at like 35%. Well, fucking A, it was at like 50%, you know, back in the day. And well, even it was higher, higher, actually. Yeah. Well, all right. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about it, it, regular people, but if, you, if you're looking at the mm-hmm. super rich, there weren't even super rich back then, but you were paying 70% or so. And now when you look at tax rates mm-hmm. of corporations and things, well, GE paid zero and their tax rate was 35. Right. And if you start bitching at me, oh, GE needs their taxes reduced, fuck you. They're already sometimes, sometimes yeah. getting tax credits on the fact. Right. And, and if you interfere with that, you're <laughs> interfering with business. Well, what business is there anymore? Right. I mean, that's really the thing. You know, like Silicon Valley, you talk about Silicon Valley as, as like they're this, you know, the avatar of all, you know, the internet and all other things. They're not really. I right. mean, they're just, I mean, yeah. you know, Apple is essentially a hardware company, you know, and Microsoft is essentially selling software and yeah, the shit's all made in Asia somewhere. China, probably. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, in in the end, okay, that's global trade. That's fine. But, again, what it comes down to is, yeah, people are not going to focus on things like the deep state because they're just trying to make ends meet. They're trying to take care of their families. They're trying to make sure they've got roofs over their heads and so forth. But that's that's the thing in the end is that this shit is slipping away huge very quickly. Yeah. If it's not already gone, it's making the making a lot harder to get that roof to stay on the house. That's right. Basically, That's I right. just want us all to have a better argument in our pocket when we're arguing with our neighbor who we hate because he's a Republican and I'm a Democrat and and I hate him because of that. No, mm-hmm. there's there's deeper issues going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and actually Much that deeper. that's 
some of these issues you can find common ground with people who might not agree with you otherwise because they watch Fox News. That's right. And, oh, speaking of the news, you're not showing both sides if you have both a Republican and a Democrat talk about an issue. No. I mean, come on. Let's get some of the experts in the field, whatever you're talking about, like, you know, university professors that spend their whole life studying this or something. That's true, too. You, you know, like on foreign policy, let's get an expert on that country at the news show. But there, Just because you pull up John McCain doesn't mean you have an expert. No, that's true. But, but you know, I would also caution you on that tour in that pundits are a major problem and a major driving force in the experts. propaganda. Because well, a lot of times... They I'm talking actual experts. Actual experts, <laughs> yeah. as, as opposed to like retired generals and people who are working yes. for think tanks that are obviously funded by Yeah, you got to know where they come here. from. Yeah. Yeah. Good lord, it's it's, but, it's uh, even hard to tell which you know direction the think tanks are coming from, and and even then, why would you trust either one? Well, I mean, that's why the yeah. Pentagon Papers were so devastating in the early seventies, was because the Rand Corporation actually told the fucking truth and did the work and did right. the research. The only thing that, that that happened was the research actually got out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but that uh -huh. they, you know they're saying, well, you know, what are we doing in Vietnam? It's like, well, fuck, we don't know. You're just passing on from watch because you don't yeah. want to be. I kind of like what the Rand Corporation was doing at the time. You oh, know? yeah, yeah. It was it was very fascinating that that was like the first, anyway, oh, yeah. we talked about it. The minute, the minute I see, <laughs> like, you know, Heritage Foundation mm -hmm. or, Ameri you know, the New American Century or Americans for Prosperity, I'm like, yeah, fuck you. And mm -hmm. Social Security's already bankrupt. Yeah, and Brookings sometimes, too. Brookings, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that all of these think tanks, I, I think the lesson learned from the Pentagon Papers was, yeah, let's control the think tanks. If the eggheads tell everyone, you know, what, what's going on, then, well, it must be true. So you just have one more authoritative source, like the Stanley Milgram experiments. Right. All you have to have is a white lab coat, maybe a clipboard, and you can actually make people think that they're electrocuting somebody. I'm just wearing for a, a lab coat. Test. Your argument is invalid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's ridiculous, but this this is essentially what the deep state is. The deep state is the fear and the paranoia and the greed, the worst elements of America, just growing like cancer cells, and and that's what it is. I mean, there's there's it. You, I'm not sitting there saying, oh yeah, they're wringing their hands like Mr. Burns and they're you know planning all these conspiracies. No, not in any way, shape, or form. But they are guiding policy and action and movement and media. Well, and, and billions of dollars are being funneled of dollars. into different organizations that you will never know about because nope. you don't have classified clearance yeah. to <laughs> know about them. And yep. uh, yeah, and they won't go to your schools or your roads or your society at all. No, no. And they're supposedly keeping you safe and we're they're not. Keeping you safe. We're keeping everyone out of the fort. Yeah. Come on, isn't that cool? We're keeping you safe. Yeah. And I think I think that's the main thing that we have in common with Israel that That'll we've adopted. We've we've <laughs> imported from Israel is Israel is essentially a fortress in the middle of very hostile territory. No, this this plays in the narrative very well and Yeah. You know, that, so, that's so, why ISIS plays in the narrative very well. Except Al ISIS is such a random variable well. because I mean, no, no one was expecting ISIS. No one was expecting yeah. ISIS. And, and the thing was is that they hate the Iranians. In fact, they all consider them apostates because they're Shia. It's a blessing so to the Sunni. administration. They hate the, yeah. they, they hate the Wahhabist Saudis because they, they're, they're not strict enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is yeah. why would we want to 
not negotiate with Iran because Iran potentially could be one of our best allies to defeat ISIS. Yeah. I mean, we don't want to make everyone our enemies. And you don't. Well, actually, you you might want to if you have enough money to spend on defense, uh, military. Yeah, yeah, hardware. hardware. Yeah. yeah. Well, and another thing too is I'm I'm getting tired of people bitching about Vladimir Putin when it's like, okay, you know, we squandered every chance we had from like 1945 on to have a good relationship with Soviet Union slash Russia. We fucked it away, and guess what? These people are what appear in a power vacuum. So what the hell do you expect? Mm. Not that we could have, like, picked. This isn't our fault at all. It's the Russian people's fault. It is to some degree. <laughs> but but we gave we gave a Putin the impetus. Oh, to, sure, sure. I mean, sure. just like a Stalin. You could Perestroika, say, man. Or Lenin. It's all you know, perestroika. Like, oh, they're all trying to come in. Yeah, they're yeah. all trying to come in. In some cases, they were. No, but... per- perestroika allowed for Putin to grow in that vacuum. Yeah. Really, yeah. there and was there a lot is. of fear over there. Mm-hmm. I, I was over there during that time, and there, there was a lot of fear. And people needed uh, a Putin. They needed someone like that. It yeah. could have been in a different political party, but it turned out to be yeah. not just him, but but that whole that whole party. It's just so Soviet. You, yeah. you know, it's just it's just the Soviets in brown coats. You know, exactly. <laughs> I mean, this right. is just, you call them something different. But right, it's, right. Hey. I, I want to call them Soviet because I just see it. It's written all over them. Oh, yeah. I mean, in the end, it's like, okay, you know, what did Putin really bring to... I'm surprised Gary Kasparov's still alive, actually. Yeah. Um, lo- I love the man, and I, 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 I really admire him for what he's doing, um, but I'm really surprised they haven't killed him yet. It's yeah. There's there's an axe waiting for him somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's kind of part of the problem. We have our you know enemies of the United States that we need to fear so th- and build a military to protect ourselves against. You know, whether whether it's Iran, keep that fort. or Iraq or ISIS or whatever. We have to ma- manage. We need the demon out there right. so we can build up our military and be all scared and take away everybody's uh, freedoms. You know, so we can spy on them constantly. But at the same time, when we go all nut job and evade Iraq for no good reason and do all our other crazy things like NSA spying. They hate our freedoms. Yeah. Now every other country has a reason to make us be the person to be afraid of. Right. To stoke up their, you know. Right. Because that works both ways. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. Just feeds on itself, and so it, that seems to be our lead industry now is is counterterrorism, counterinsurgency, spying. Essentially, we've become that. Yeah, yeah. Country. I wonder where that ranks as far as our, you know, national exports or whatnot. Yeah. Again, all that comes out are loads of dung. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, please let us know what you think at feedback at Tank Riot. Good evening. Enjoy your Kafka-esque nightmare. <laughs> That's a complete conspiracy, you know. All the evil people of the world have banded together. Communists, subversives, thieves. It's a total, complete, worldwide conspiracy. Oh, there will come a morning when these men have taken over 
I'm going to end this with trial quotes. Victor, Victor, are you listening still? End this with some quotes from the trial. We use these visual aids, lectures and sermons. Yes, how your particular delusions described in the writings which preface the law. Before the law, there stands a guard. A man comes from the country seeking admittance to the law, but the guard cannot admit him. Can the man hope to enter at a later time? I've heard it before. We've all heard it. The man is dying of old age still waiting there. And just at the end, the guard tells him that the door was meant for him, only for him. The guard tells him no one could enter this door. And now I'm going to close it. Some commentators have pointed out that the man came to the door of his own free will. And we're supposed to swallow all that? It's all true? We needn't accept everything as true. All is necessary. God, what a miserable conclusion. It turns lying into a universal principle. By attempting to defy the court by such an obviously mad gesture, you hope to plead insanity. You've laid some foundation for that claim by appearing to believe yourself the victim of some kind of conspiracy. That's a symptom of lunacy, isn't it? Delusions of persecution. Delusions? Well... I don't pretend to be a martyr, no. Not even a victim of society? I am a member of society. Do you think you can persuade the court that you're not responsible by reason of lunacy? I think that's what the court wants me to believe. Yes? That's the conspiracy to persuade us all that the whole world is crazy, formless, meaningless, absurd. That's the dirty game. So I've lost my case. What of it? You. You're losing too. It's all lost. Lost. So what? Does that sentence the entire universe to lunacy? Can't you see anything at all? Of course I'm responsible. My son. I'm not your son. <laughs>